The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host, Rydercat, and you can find me at Rydercat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Gotta, gotta get that mic squarely adjusted. And the sound effects you have just heard are coming from no one other than our man in Brooklyn represents BK to the fullest and all that jazz. One agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? This is San Diego Comic Con Week. We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! At home. That's right. <laughs> That is right. Yes. So, yes, folks, we are on the cusp of that. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But uh, you can find this here program on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast here on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And yes, folks, like Agent 70 said, uh, San Diego Comic-Con virtually is here. Uh, and there are panels coming out left and right and news coming out left and right, which you will hear a little bit of tonight, but probably more in the coming week or two as things tend to happen actually in for Comic-Con. Right. Uh, so, but before we get to all that news and jazz, we are going to get into the new releases of the week. And we are going to start off with, uh, guess what, folks? Empire, the the um, the Avengers Fantastic Four event is in full swing. Uh, and boy, are they swinging. And we're going to start off with Empire number two. Yes, this is part of uh, Marvel doing its best to catch up on its publishing schedule. Uh, we are inundated, is the best way to put it. We have four Empire books out this week. Um, we have uh, two of the tie-in miniseries. I believe uh, Lords of Empire is also a miniseries. We have the first issue of that miniseries. But yeah. we are going to talk about Empire number two, which is the second issue of the main uh, miniseries. This is a potential click of the week for me. I'll start just by saying that I cannot wait for these Jim Chung covers to become prints. We can buy from him either online or at conventions, God willing. <laughs> um, that's something I love to do when I see uh, Jim at uh, yeah I call him Jim right like I know him like we're boys now right 
Um, I see him all the time at uh, New York Comic Con, and you know we're not on a first name basis, but we're definitely on a hey man, how you doing basis, you know. Right. Um, I'll tell you that uh, the opening pages of this book tease the possible return of a founding Avenger, um, you know, maybe Ant Man or Ultron, Ant Man slash Ultron, or a later Avenger, and you know, it's someone who makes sense in this in the in in this storyline because of. Um, uh, the Kotati and, 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 and whatnot involved. Yes. And, uh, you know, it makes some sense that this would be, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drop a quick spoiler alert here that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to spoil it because this character is actually on the cover to the next issue. So if you, you know, look at solicitations at all, you kind of figure out what I'm talking about, but I'll ring the bell anyway. Talking about Mantis. Uh, but this tease is left unresolved. Um, Koi and the swordsmen leave the Avengers captive but alive, and that proves to be their undoing. Uh, the threads and mysteries from Incoming are also addressed in this issue, as in as it is uh, as they are in uh, the Emperor Hulkling book that we'll talk about a little later. Um, my favorite scene in this book is a great scene in uh, showing Thor. Uh, breaking the big three Avengers out of the trap that they're in, and Al Ewing using some old school Thor Shakespearean dialogue. I got a <laughs> kick out of that. You know I love that. I, I know that you did. Fun. Yes, I saw that. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, going to love this one. <laughs> um, one thing that, uh, that, that I know worried a lot of people as a result of the first Empire issue was something uh, that happened, to, and the FF issue that came out last week, um, was something that happened to Ben Grimm, but um, uh, Hulkling figures out how to save him, and Captain Marvel gets to show off her energy absorption powers and gains, um, I'm not going to spoil everything, but gains a powerful weapon. I'll put it that way. I'll ta- I'm going to take a particular word out of my notes so we don't spoil everything. That's fine. Uh, let's just say she, one part of her upbringing comes into play. Exactly. In, in in what she gains as a weapon, which she's already a weapon. She doesn't necessarily need it, but, you know, the, the crust of the story, which she's not the only one who actually got a similar weapon. So we should, because I'm not sure, I don't remember if we actually went over uh, fully, like I know we kind of briefly talked about the Empire One and stuff like this. So basically, uh, just a really, really quick, quick strokes. Um, uh, the Avengers found out that the Kotati was were on the moon, and there there's a garden on the moon. Which weirdly enough, hey, guess what? We knew there's a uh, some X folks also on the moon. Why didn't they they not see it prior to this? But maybe we'll get into that when they get in, more involved. Oh, I remember why we didn't go deeply into Empire because you hadn't read it yet. That's well, why. there was that. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm like, why are we doing this? Oh yeah, I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't. Strokes. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that part, but yes, yes. I was like, wait a second, we talked about Empire. We, oh, we, we, yeah. we kind of brushed across it, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, brief strokes. Uh, like I said, the, the Avengers found out that the Katadi are on the moon, and this goes back to the Kreskor War, which is in the, even in the Road to Kreskor War book. Uh, prior to this, you know, that was bringing all that up. We come to find out that the Celestial Messiah, who is the son of mantis and the swordsman who's was long dead but turned into a katati um 
is back around. We think we saw him show up in, in issue one of Empire. Uh, the Empire has kind of come at things from one way. Um, and the Fantastic Four, who come at it from another way by they basically them just happen to be out in space already. They come across this casino, which you did kind of talk about that a little bit. We come across the casino where this elder of the, the universe uh, is residing over but they end up coming in contact and getting in possession of these two kids of one of Kree, one of Skrull who are fighting each other, you know, and they have the living histories of both of their respective races within themselves. So the Fantastic Four took them uh, with them after their little misadventure. Then they came across the fact that, Hey, there's the, the Kree and the Skrull are aligned, which, which is weird because you would think read, you know, having monitors pretty much everywhere, or you at least used to have monitors everywhere, would have had something out in Kree Scroll space to know this already. But apparently, none of them knew that there was a Kree Scroll Alliance under the banner of Hulkling, um, who is the figurehead and figure um, Super Scroll and Tanaleth, who are pretty much in his ear as his adviners on both the Kree, as most scroll and the Kree sides. And they ended up saying, Hey, we're going to earth for some odd reason. And that reason ends up being because of the Katati are on the moon and they're trying to wipe them out. So the, the fantastic four coming out from that side and they've come, they come across Hulkling and them, the Avengers come from the other side and thinking, okay, well the Kree and the scroll are, are acting up again. So we need to do something on that side. And there's a big clash, and all of this starts, and here we go. And right. Everything- They're basically fooled by their previous association with the Kotati, and they're subtly influenced by, you know, plant spores that, you know, that, that, that basically, or, or, or some other type of influence that um, Koi, the, uh, the first Avengers baby, as is pointed out, as we're reminded in this mm-hmm. issue, um, you know, basically plants that suggestion into Tony Stark and uh, gently or aggressively nudges the Avengers into taking action against the incoming Kree Skrull Armada. And uh, that's essentially how they're able to uh, gain the upper hand. And now they are, you know, in this issue, they are definitely moving forward with their um, offensive against all animal life. That's how they view it. So... Um, you know, no, that, that essentially means no, no animal life, no, no, uh, humanoid life is, uh, is, um, exempt. And, uh, you know, we get to see that in some of the tie-in issues as well. But, um, I think that essentially wraps up our discussion of, um, empire number two. I'll just cover. I don't believe you. Did you read Lords of Empire, Emperor Hulkling? No, but before you do that, I will basically just to, 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 to my one last thought about this is basically if, if Vegans um, got violent, which I know some of them can, got violent and decided to go against everybody who's um, either meat or meat eaters. This is right. pretty much what this is. So I see right. you see I see you Hickman. I mean I see you uh, Ewing and and Scott Ewing. Scott and Fott. <laughs> I see y'all. But anyway, right. So, just as a quick tie-in, uh, Lords of Empire, uh, Emperor Hulkling number one, isn't exactly required reading, but it definitely adds context because we get the backstory of the recruitment 
of Emperor Hulkling uh, tying together lots of threads from the incoming one shot. And we also get a look at a possible traitor in the Kree Scroll Alliance. And we get another scene sure to make the eventual Empire trade unwelcome to by the mayor of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil laugh out loud. Oh dear. Um No, it's just another it's a rehash of what happened in Young Avengers and why. You know, that dude uh, tried to get that book banned and it didn't work and it wouldn't work with this one either. Oh, okay. Right. So ultimately that, right. So ultimately that is uh, the the context provided by Lords of Empire, uh, Emperor Hulkling number one for someone, for anyone who is looking for how we got, uh, how we went from, Teddy Altman, a.k.a. Uh, Hulkling, a.k.a. Young Avenger, to, you know, some of the briefly covered events that led to him being anointed as the emperor of the Kree Scroll Empire slash Alliance. You know, if you're looking for extra context, this is the book for you. Right. Uh, and like the, and between incoming, which... Um which Empire has been quoting, who's been referencing a couple of different times in, in, the, in the issues that I've read, um, and the road to, you know, the road to Empire, you definitely see a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. But also, so the short stroke on him, he's basically, what he ended up finding out is that he's a basically uh, the, the amalgamation of the Kree and the scroll because he is the heir. Yeah. Because he is the, he's basically the heir of the scroll empire, but also because he is the, the son of the daughter of the emperor of, um, the scrolls. And he's also captain Marvel, AKA Marvel's son. Right. So there you go, which I think there's been rumors of like, you know, well back then, but who, you know, who even knew or, right. or even cared back then. What I was going to say is I believe that had been long established, but had never been followed up on until now. Yeah. So there that is. And here we are. And I think oh, what I was going to say about Lords of Empire was that I think this is a one, this is basically a series of one shots uh, highlighting folks um, of note. In this case, right. Emperor Hulkling, I believe the next one is on Koi. And I can't Absolutely. remember who else, but so, uh, but we'll talk about that one when we get to it. Next up, um, since we're on the Empire train, um, I guess we will go to. I can't remember what is the actual follow because there is definitely a reading reading list or reading order, which uh, I could have used honestly. Yeah, same here. Um. Because the one, the one yeah. in the back of the book doesn't work. Yeah, kinda. Which there is a there is a um a site that kind of does that, and I, I don't know if they're on it on top of it already, or you know, if they've done the the, the legwork on it already. But usually there is a, a site that would be like, hey, here's a reading order for this event, and this event, and that event. You know, mm. and I know they already started some stuff, but I don't know uh, the whole thing. Anyway, so I guess we will go to. This is not an easy one because it doesn't really directly. It's not a direct tie. It's kind of an after. It's kind of a after everything is starting, and we'll go with Aven- uh, Empire Avengers number one, I guess. 
because either way we go is going to be kind of like this, this just kind of breaks off if this was last week and everything kind of tied more closer together with like the fantastic four and whatever else it would have worked out a little bit better but here we are mm-hmm. so uh empire avengers number one the pretty much the short stories of this one is that all right now that the uh the kotati have showed their hand which uh you know Koi was like, all right, yeah, we get rid of, of all the, the, the plant face folks, and we're taking over uh, as opposed to being the downtrodden and whatnot as they played themselves off to be in the beginning of this whole thing. Uh, they've invaded Earth, uh, so they have they have pretty much um, laid down roots, let's say. <laughs> Cause they're oh, no! <laughs> Where is it? Uh, and they are trying to take over the planet, and the Avengers are like, "All right, let us split up into teams, and you know, try to safeguard the planet. See, you know, to, to try to one either get these folks off our planet or, or at least subdue them." Uh, so the Avengers split up in into teams, uh, and they end up meeting resistance uh, on a couple of uh, on a couple of occasions because we have one team of um, Quicksilver. Mockingbird and Wonder Man, who ends up going and they end up, you know, with some resistance. Thankfully, you know, Pietro being himself <laughs> literally runs headlong into trouble and has to be saved by the other two members of the group, including Mockingbird, who's apparently sporting a gun. Um, you know, un- which is weird because she never, she rarely ever, know- actually, she don't think she ever has, unless it's like a special gun or something like that. Like a. Right. But there's that. And then another team was, was like Black Knight, Kazar, um, and a few other folks. I'm like, I can't remember the names of them. And they basically go to the Savage Land to take care of what's going on there. Because oh. what place, if you're, if you're a plant-based life and you know about the, find out about the Savage Land, why would you not go to try to take it over? I was about to say, they actually sent some heavy hitters on that team because yes. um, the Scarlet Witch and uh, Dr. Dr. Voodoo are on that team. That is correct. Um, which I guess the tie to the next book we were talking about in a second will be one of those people just mentioned. But um, so the Black Knight and crew, which we do, we did know that the Black Knight was coming back into the fold and he's going he was going to be leading an adventures team, um, and this is his entrance into that. Uh, but they go to the to, to the Savage Land. They meet up with the Resistance with some Katati, and um, apparently the I was going to say the, the Katati have an have a cave ogre, but no, they have a swamp thing. Oh, um, you know what's funny about that? that? You know, I thought that was you know my my notes on this are basically um, that uh, you know their target is an interesting duo of Marvel characters. It, yeah, their main target is who we're talking about, the Swamp Thing, but you know they also targeted um, Shanna, the She Devil, who was in um, who was in uh, the Savage Land. Uh, you know, basically defending it. Uh, in Kazar's absence, right. So um, it was pretty interesting to see what the Kutati were able to do. And like you said, targeting the, the one area of green in in, in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, if, if you're a plant based life and you realize, like, wait, there's a cold, there's a cold ass area surrounded by a bunch of plant life and you know other stuff. Why would you not go there? Um, so that's pretty much the gist of that book. And unless you got something else you want to uh, mention no. about that one. No, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's just interesting to see that, you know, this is going to be like the, uh, uh, the, uh, the various, uh, uh, 
you know, reserve Avengers, mm-hmm. basically, you know, uh, flying around the world to try to put out some of the Kotati fires, quote unquote. So uh, that's going to be the uh, the crux of this issue. I guess we can move on to Empire X Men. That is correct. Um, and, and both basically my my just very quickly, you can you can you can uh, do the book, but my first and strongest reaction to this book is. WTF or WTH? No, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say I was going to actually say no. You can go ahead and take the book because we were we were pretty much of the same mind of that of oh. the of the particular part that you were about to mention. Right, because essentially, what we have in this story is something that's set a month. Oh, actually, wait. That was like it, seven, eight months. No, no. No, what I was going to say is it actually starts a year right. prior to the events of Empire, right? That's where the ball gets rolling because the Scarlet Witch is on her own path to redemption. And, you know, this ties back to the events of uh, Disassembled and uh, House of M. M. Yeah. And, you know... Scarlet, which really has had a tough time over the last, you know, decade. It's kind of hard to say decade, you know. Definitely has had a hard time over the past decade and a half to two to twenty. Jesus, twenty years. It's been a while, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's definitely had a hard time for a long time, and she's looking to make up for it. So she's consulting with um, Doctor Strange and makes her way around the world to uh, gain. Um, several pieces of arcane magic and 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 artifacts and together tries to and put and with all that together tries to make up for one of her uh one of her acts one of her biggest uh mistakes in her mind which was the no more mutants honestly it was uh, the biggest mistake what's that that's honestly it was the biggest mistake Right, like well, out of everything you know, that has happened to her in you know in in you know in during in her comic life or in her life corner, I guess like that is pretty much the biggest. She basically erased all the mutants. You don't really, you know, you <laughs> there's not really much else that you could be like, oh yeah, I mean yeah, that stuff with the the, the dark hole, sure, that's a little small stuff, but getting rid of pretty much all all mutant life on Earth. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say Jack of Hearts would beg to differ. But <laughs> that's still smaller. And, well, nobody cares about Jack of Hearts, but um, that's still. I mean, and Hawkeye was also killed in that. Also, uh, right? That, exactly. That still. Exactly. So, but yeah, obviously, this is the big. This is the big. Uh, the big event that she kind of uh, uh, was the catalyst for, and now she's trying to make up for it. So, right. at the end of the day, she tries her best to do, you know, to make up for it, and it goes all right. Surprise! And wonder why? Yeah, exactly. Surprise! Surprise! You wonder why she wouldn't at least consult with uh, Xavier and the the Quiet Council on Krakoa. Obviously, she's on the outs with them. She's not exactly a welcome person on Krakoa. So, um, you know, it still it still you know begs the question. You know, why do this on her own? Doing something that if she had read any popular culture um, or any you know. <laughs> Um, uh, 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 books or watched any movies, she would know that this is always going to go bad. Mm. What she tries to do is raise the dead on uh, Genosha. Um, and, you know, it's not something she was uh, uh, responsible for, but she feels like that would be, you know, wow. the best way to atone for her actions. So, 
Uh, so like I said, it, it goes bad. It goes south. It goes left. All of the euphemisms for things going uh, up the pooper or down the pooper is, uh, you know, everything that happens in this book um, uh, for her. Uh, there's a team of uh, Krakoan mutants that are sent to investigate um, a gate that is not working on uh, Genosha. Uh, unbeknownst to them, there is already a group of invaders from uh, the Kotari who have landed to try to um, stage an invasion of Wakanda from Genosha. You know, from the from the from uh, off. Uh, uh, what you call it? From uh, 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 they're trying to stage the attack from off the coast of Africa. Right. So, which, to which we will get to that when that miniseries happens. Exactly. 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 So there's kind of uh, 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 twin things going on. Uh, Genosha. There is what the Scarlet Witch does, and then there are the team of X Men who are investigating uh, this gate that apparently starts to malfunction and starts to malfunction because of the Kotari. And basically, the X Men run into um, the resurrected, the improperly resurrected, since people seem to be properly resurrected on Krakoa. We'll call them the improperly resurrected. Uh, you know, some would call them zombies. Most um, would call them zombies, yes. <laughs> right. But the improperly resurrected uh, Genosians, uh, you know, uh, they are um, on the move as well as the Kotari, and the Kotari are in full retreat. Because the, because there's a horde of of uh, of Genosian zombies on their tail, and we get the reappearance of some old women that we met in X Men. Uh, Roddy Cat remembers better than I. Uh, it feels like it was two years ago when that came out. It might, you know, it wasn't that long, but it definitely feels like a long time ago yeah. now. But uh, these old women with um, advanced weaponry who appeared in uh, uh, early on in the Dawn of X books. And they, uh, you know, they appear to uh, provide support to the X Men. Yeah, or so we, or so we allegedly, like we, they're they, when they first appeared. Now they had an ulterior motive um, against the Krakoans, and I don't think I, I suspect there is no difference here. But just because the right. Kotati are involved, that doesn't change the, what they were doing. And yeah, just like I was telling uh, Agent Seventy before the show, like as he well knew. You know, Hickman doesn't necessarily put folks in or bring stuff in just to kind of leave them out there. Because I'm granted, there's just a whole bunch of this still on the on the table in the X world, but that's a whole that's a side situation. But in this case, these these old ladies who pretty much gave some some heavy hitter um, X Men uh, X Men a run for their money are, are now back for some odd reason, and, and I'm and it's kind of funny, and I can't wait to see what happens with that part at the ah. very least. Um, right. I but just had going, one more thing to add. I had one thing to add. This is something that we talked about offline. Mm. Um, I wanted to note that this story was written by both Jonathan Hickman and Tinney Howard, Mm -hmm. who are both definitely architects of... I know Hickman is the architect of the the Dawn of X period of the the X-Men books, but, you know, Tinney Howard is uh, the writer, the head writer, the only writer on Excalibur. And, you know, these two are definitely intimately involved in the X universe and my feeling is that they are laying some more groundwork for maybe an ultimate showdown between uh, the Krakoan mutants and the Scarlet Witch um, because of the way the story seems to work out 
you know, that's at least my suspicion. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, that would make sense because early on in Hoxbox, they there was definitely mention of uh, Scarlet Witch as being, you know, she is not welcome in Krakoa. And they, it's basically like, it's almost as if they were like, uh, any time they mentioned, any time someone mentioned Scarlet Witch's name, they, somebody goes, Tuh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not exactly Voldemort level, but, you know, something something along uh, the lines of what uh, Roddy Cat just mentioned, kind of right. like the uh, the cursed one as opposed to the one who shall not be named. Right. But so that being said, so to kind of wrap up the discussion on this. So in the beginning, as uh, Agent 70 alluded to, she Wanda did go to uh, Doctor Strange, but Doctor Strange was like, "I am not capable of doing what you what you want, and neither are you." Mm-hmm. But yet, she went on ahead. Was like, "All right, fine, hold my beer." <laughs> Instead of like heeding the warning, she was like, "Well, all right, I guess I'm gonna still do this." So, and then it happens, and then she goes to do what she does, and the. The thing about that, which is probably going to bleed into the X, well, actually, well, into into an X-Men book proper, because I know there are some X-Men issues that is tied into this, is mm-hmm. what she does is um, that she is directly involved in, because like I said, she killed a bunch of movies and most of them were on Genosha at the time. They were mostly mutants. And therefore, since they are mutants, they can go through the Krakoan Gate, which some of them do. Uh, which is probably either going to get uh, addressed either next issue or probably in whatever X Men issues that is coming down X Men issues that is coming down the line that is tied into this. Not sure. Was that? I, I, I was about to say I don't think they make it through. Yeah, of course I thought they did. I'm fair, I they hit was. the gate, but then they get whacked because of the um, the old ladies. Oh, so I, okay, okay, that's right. Because, yeah. I'm just looking at the last couple of pages of the books. No, yeah, now I don't remember because remember Madrox said something about goo, and then and then that's when they pop up. You're right, you're right, you're right. Because I could have sworn that some of them made it through the gate, but then again, that also addresses the fact that well, these old ladies were at the gate, if not through the gate. I don't think they were through the gate, but um, because I think they were actually trying to get to get to Krakoa, uh, right. to gain knowledge and plants. But anyway. So so yeah, that being corrected, you're 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 right about that. But I guess one, some of them had made it to to the gate, but I still think that it's probably still going to play out and play into that going on going through this uh, miniseries. This right. Last note on the last note on the miniseries before we move on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Unless you have something else. No, no, I'm good. Talk about um, the final uh, the final page before we move on to the reading. You know. Um, the coming soon list of uh, you know uh, in the uh, the X books is uh, basically reads uh, alien plants versus mutant zombies versus old ladies. <laughs> yes, love it. It's pretty cool. Hey, hey, don't don't count those old ladies out. Like I said earlier, they they went up against some heavy hitter uh, X Men, so and went home laughing. But uh, yeah, that's that. So next, I guess since we're on the X corner of the world, let's continue down that road. Um, to I guess New Mutants. All right. Because Hellions, that's a whole nother. I don't know. We still have. I still have thoughts on that one, but I don't know. 
New Mutants number 11, folks, is what we're going to get into now. And this basically just wraps up, um, this wraps up the arc, or I guess it's an arc, or a little mini story, ah, excuse me, to where uh, um, the New Mutants went to go and retrieve this newly found mutant i was gonna say new mutant but that's that's kind of confusing but this newly found mutant in a russian country called carnelia i believe it is called yep uh and this newest uh mutant is able to basically um share out her nightmares um as she's sleeping, her power manifests while she sleeps on something from what it sounds like. And it kind of manifests itself outward because whenever she gets like, uh, you know, she's anxious or nervous or basically, you know, having some issues, it kind of manifests out. And she doesn't know how to control it basically. So the, you know, so the mutants were called in, the mutants went to respond and they got sucked in. And this is the resolution of that. As much as I hate to say it, thanks to the, um, the foresight of Mondo, who is a, character i don't too much care about <laughs> um but again some of the newer mutants that have been you know that have been getting spotlight or even made are some of them i don't care for but anyway that say, you know mondo is from gen x if i'm not mistaken yeah I, I never read gen x but that's either way you know you know like that whole the whole class with like rock slide in them like some of them i'm like well oh, like, that's even later right yeah that's what i'm saying but yeah, yeah, people yeah. that have come along since the the core groups that we know right like some of them are just like oh these are so annoying people you know but and mondo is still in one of them uh chamber also I'm like them two especially when that first art when they went to space i'm like really why are yeah, you that's another- yeah, that's another Generation X guy. Exactly. So, like, why are these people here? But regardless, that all gets, uh, that the whole situation in Connelly gets resolved thanks to uh, one part, Boom Boom, and uh, Yon Rasputin comes in and teleporting them away after it's all said and done. And then the, they get the, the notion to be like, hey, yeah, Ilyana's um, like, hey, yeah, I found y'all by looking at the site that's pretty much telling you know telling where y'all at at all time or where people show up at all times so it's basically like one of those um i don't want to say it's like anonymous but it's, it's kind of like one of those form sites where it's like well yeah we're gonna we gotta keep track of this group because you know their problems or this and that and the other types they even the the site is even named after uh, it's called Docs, which we know Docs to be another name, but also could be, you know, could stand for Don of X because that's, you know, keeping it on brand. But nevertheless, uh, so they're like, yeah, we're going to have to do something about these people because they knew y'all were in, uh, y'all, they found Beak and, and Angel and they knew, you know, where y'all were, you know, when this stuff happens. Uh, so we need to do something about that because they're, you know, they're making things hot for us. So they're causing trouble. Basically, so they get the, the idea of saying, "Yeah, we're gonna have to go take care of these people." And then at the end of the book, it's like, "All right, good, bet." But before we go take care of these folks, we gotta eat something because <laughs> I've been right. wanting because they've been wanting to mess up these folks for a minute. Which we knew, say, which we kind of knew. That's where Glob comes in. Exactly. You know, Glob Herman is making some laksa or is making some food, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, which uh, he, that's what he's pretty much like. Like he was on one of the first. He was in the group that went to get, go get Beacon Angel, and you know, and outside of that, he's just busy making food. Which you know what, I respect that. But he's also one of those ones like, why is he? Why is he even here? Yeah, you know, why is he getting any shine? Exactly. Right. 
but you know the the new mutants book is basically dedicated to new mutants and younger basically sure. you know that's the, that's the focus of the book so it's kind of an all-encompassing you know we're going to get stories that involve all of these generations of new mutants new x-men generation x um yeah surprised we haven't got i was about to say i'm surprised that we hadn't gotten some of those i mean boom aside but that's you know you know right she, she's so fallen in a couple of groups right we've gotten lots of those generations of uh of younger x-men just a couple of quick points um uh you know this mutant that they were trying to contain you know, was exhibiting some pretty frightening powers that manifest dreams in a very different way from Danny Moonstar's powers. Right. Um, this is countered by Wildside of the Mutant Liberation Front, who's who has reality warping powers, apparently, at exactly. some point. Exactly. And, and so here's my thought. So here's my thing about that. I thought that was... Um, um, so there is... We'll talk about Hellions in a second. I thought that was the same dude that was in Hellions. And no, that's that wild. Is, I know, but that was this like okay. Outside from the mutant liberation front, this is from like early, early X Force. Right. This is from like Liefeld era X Force when he created them. Well, he was part of creating the MLF, I think, but definitely used the MLF in a lot of his books right. in X before he left for Image. So that was very weird that he proved useful. Um, right, but you can see I why I said that because the, they kind of look alike, even despite their personality. They, well, they do, despite Wild Wild Side's personality. Right. Um, I wanted to mention that I was wondering when Boom Boom started to speak Russian. I actually went back to the previous issue to be right. like, is this elaborated upon at all? Yeah, she's uh, mentioned, if, if it wasn't the last issue, she, mentioned, she has mentioned in the issues like, yeah, this is a fence. I mean, a person that she ran, ran and done some stuff with back in the day, basically alluding to the fact that when she was on X-Force, she kind of got around and got to know some people underground and ended up picking up some stuff. Okay, that's interesting. All right, I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Those are my, my, my notes and my questions from the issue. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here because they did wrap up this kind of three-issue arc mm-hmm. with this uh, mutant in Carnelia, and they're moving on to this uh, fight against Docs. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that plays on the next issue. Exactly. So now we can go on to the book i'm i think both agent 70 and i are both like why this book kind of exists and i'm kind of starting to be with him on this one sort of hellions number two sure so um i believe we did not talk about hellions when the first book came out or at least not in any we did we did i actually i actually made a point of talking about how after i read it i wanted to buy a physical copy of the first issue Mm-hmm. Okay. We definitely did. We definitely did. So go on. So this book, so this team was basically for the church strokes and the the book. This team was put together by basically Mister Sinister, and these are the folks that are have violent tendencies and you know have no outlet for them. So this is kind of different from Fallen Angels, which is another book that is also out, which also has Psylocke, aka Quanon, in it, who's basically captaining the team. But the difference between Fallen Angels and this one is like, okay, Fallen Angels are basically like, yeah, these are folks who are kind of restless and kind of feel outcast even from their own folks, and but they are still more on the heroic side than Hellions. Hellions are basically made up of mostly folks, like I said, who, for the most part, with the exception of Havoc, are former villains 
former mutant villains of the X-Men. So we have Marauders, which Marauders is another book, but, you know, there's uh, Marauders. I was about to say, pause that, pause for a second. Havoc has been an X-Men villain, too. Do you really count that, though? I mean, yes, he, he has. Was a ma- he was a magistrate in Genosha. Remember that? that? In X- count. He, was, he, was, he was brainwashed. That don't count. Well, after he came out of the Siege Perilous, I know. But anyway, yeah. um, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, there's a there's a reason why Havoc is on this team, but I do agree with you. You know, on balance, he doesn't seem like he belongs. Right, and the reason what the reason why the enough for this is because in the last issue, he basically almost killed some folks. And Alex, yes, has been had some issues with stability. He's like he's a little hothead. He's the younger brother. If you didn't know, Havoc is the younger brother of Scott, aka Cyclops, and he's a little hothead. But he's you know he has gone on to. You know, there's Uncanny Avengers. There, he's headed X Factor at one point in time, so he's had his moments. He's had good moments, but also he's like, I'm just gonna go ahead and blast folks and whatever. And he was about to do this here because he was like, kind of feeling a little unstable. Maybe they'll get in, into that a little bit. But regardless, this team was put together by Mister Sinister. Oddly enough, funnily enough, not even oddly enough to because Mister Sinister's like, yeah, I know what it feels like to have you know to have violence and to have no outlet for him. And be a little on that, you know, possibly mentally uh, unstable. So I would take these folks under my wings and have them do missions for me. I just so happened to be on that because of one reason, which led Cyclops to be like, okay, Cyclops, basically having Cyclops to be on the team to watch over Scott, uh, to watch over Alex. And that's why she's on the team. Um, kind of sort of against not, not necessarily against a will but reluctantly um so their first mission that mr sinister sends them on to was to basically go and demolish one of his own one of his own orphanages coincidentally not even coincidentally is the orphanage that uh, he held uh, scott and alex in for, for a while um and apparently that uh, the, the um and also, is this one of the same orphanages that he pretty much put the Marauders together in, which comes into play because um, Mr. Sinister don't say doesn't say anything to the team, mind you, about who's there, which even though he already knows. But apparently, what we come to find out is that um, basically the rest of the Marauders outside of uh, Heads, uh, um, what's his uh, name? Scalper or not? Think I now. I forgot his name. What the lead of the 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 leader of the um of the uh, Marauders back in Mutant Massacre, Headhunter. Well, you know, I was about to say he he wasn't the leader, but he was definitely one of the lead characters. Scalpunter. Scalpunter. Thank you. Yeah, right, well, but he, he was, he's he was not a... going by the the name Scalpunter anymore. Right. Because apparently, uh, Scalp Scalpunter's probably on the offensive side, so he's going by Gray Crow instead. Right. He's going um, by his given name. Right. Or his, right. his, his, his so, government name. So exactly, that's so, like his last name. So. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and he's out there. He's on. You know, he's on Krakoa. He's out there chilling. And in the first issue, they're like, "Hey, Callisto and a bunch of Morlocks run up on him, saying it's the it's the anniversary of the mutant massacre." Which I looked up, and I don't think it actually was, but it is in the context of the book. That's fine. So they go up against him, and he's you know they, whatever happens with that happens with that, and that's what. Um, basically has them on the team. Also, like I said, they go to the orphanage where his former teammates are 
and to come up on a which is just sad. This part is kind of sad. A ex-villain who had some prominence for a little while, but coming into to later years has been largely forgotten about or used in cases like this as a as an opening arc villain is in one Goblin Queen, Madeline Pride. And matter of fact, she even says, and I, and I do like this part of the book where she's like, uh, Alex is like, um, wait, how, how long have you still been? How long have you been alive? I'm like, I've been here for years. Just nobody cared. Oh, no. So I was like, yeah, that's actually true. Um, so the team in this issue come to find out, go to the orphanage to try to take it down. They meet resistance with the humans, but they, but that gets taken care of. Uh, one of the team members empath who also is a jerk, um, gets taken out because he did something that they told him not to do. Um, nanny and orphan maker who are also on the team seem rather useless, but also, yeah. <laughs> former... I can't see. Turn me over. I can't see. <laughs> exactly. I was dying laughing. Yeah, that part was I funny, was like, but it's... yeah, that part was funny, but also like, why are they even here? But you know, obviously, like I said, since the group was made up of former um, ex villains, you know, who happened to be, I still I never understood the whole deal with Nanny and Orphan Maker, even though I do remember them from the X Factor run, the, the OG X Factor run. I was about to say from Uncanny when Nanny captured Storm, you know, basically well, yeah, uh, too, reduced but... Storm to a kid. Sure, there's that too. But yeah, but like I, said, I remember them mostly from like X Factor. Uh, but regardless, so this happens. They go up, they go up against um, the basically zombified version of the Marauders, and once again, just like in the Mutant Massacre. Who is the first one that that starts to 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 start to fight and gets shattered? <laughs> Prism. Oh, yeah. So I'm saying like, damn, poor Prism just just can't cut a break, <laughs> not in the original event or here. Um, but yeah, so just to kind of bring this back on home, that this this is, I don't know, I I'm I still question why this book. Uh, it exists, but I kind of get it. Like, cause, like I said, you could say you could say that fallen angels in this book kind of serve similar purposes, except for they're going at it different ways. I mean, obviously, the they're the people in fallen angels are different because, like, it's Cable and X twenty three and Psylocke, as opposed to these actual former villains of the X Men who are forming a team with you know with uh, Psylocke and um, Havoc. Okay. So, and at the end of this issue, while things are going on, apparently, um, Wild Child starts some stuff with uh, Psylocke as, you know, as the team is pretty much trying to uh, fight for their life against uh, these other Marauders and, and the Goblin Queen. Okay. And most of the team, I think, gets dis- gets gets either taken out or taken, uh, mm-hmm. and Psylocke, being, Psylocke and Wild Child being the last two left. So I guess right. they're going to Wild Child not exactly able to control his uh, animalistic, uh, uh, ur- not urges, but senses, because uh, he's like, oh, you can't lead this pack anymore, so you need to go down to right. Psylocke. He's, that's a Psylocke. And I'm like, oh, great. Good job. Right. Psylocke's yeah. like, are we really going to do this right now? He's like, yep. Swipe. 
Because right. basically before then, um, Greymore, uh, Scalp Hunter was basically the one kind of keeping him on a leash. Right. Before he got uh, taken out or whatever happened to him. And I would just like to, to, to point out that one of the, um, one of the, I guess I'm five marauders or basically it was like, she's your queen to be. And if you know that reference, you know that reference. Um, oh yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't think of it in those terms because mm-hmm. I was reading in my mind, like the zombie uh, right. dialogue that it was on the page. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. That's so funny. So that is Hellions number two. I don't know. I, I will probably, see where this art goes, whether it continue or, you know, whatever happens after that, we'll see. Like maybe right. those, there's going to be something that'll, that'll redeem this book. And not right. saying it's a bad book, but it's like, I'm not sure how necessary it is. No, no, no. I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with you. So, all right. Um, I guess we can do one last book before we go into rapid fire, because we've covered almost everything that we've read. Pretty mutually. Much. So, all right. Well, pick uh, a book. just X-Men and fantastic four. Lots oh, of X right. stuff. This yes, week. that's right. That was like that's that was, that's the last part of this X X thing. <laughs> uh, speaking of books, that I'm not even sure what the hell what was the purpose of this. Yeah, there's uh, a couple of things. It? It, there's a couple of things. I mean, just in very broad strokes, and you'll probably you know go delve more in in depth in the in the summary of the book. But essentially, you know, I'll read kind of gets a comeuppance from Xavier and Magneto once Franklin <laughs> yes. and the Latverian yeah once Franklin and the Latverian mutants are rescued from doom as always doom seems to have an ulterior motive in helping Franklin which Valeria is on to so just as a quick recap you know Franklin um, has been invited to Krakoa but in the interim um, was kind of waylaid into uh, stopping at uh an outpost of uh, Latverian mutants that uh, Doctor Doom had had created an island for, and um, and and Doom was onto the fact that uh, Franklin was having issues with his powers, so he basically said, "Well, I think I can help." And Reed agreed after looking at the plans, the schematics for the for the equipment. But uh, Valeria has uh, a much sharper eye for what doom might be up to right well and, and in that case it was kind of different because as even valeria says like yeah you gave my dad the schematics of your suit but i but she looked at the actual suit which so which means that doom had pretty much not put everything in the plans that he actually put into the suit and yep. what we kind of find out is that um he was trying to gain some of Franklin's power for reasons that I'm sure will probably come up at some point. Uh, but it's doom, you know, he's, he's always doing that. So cut back to, um, and there was also some stuff where, you know, Franklin couldn't get out of the machine and Kate somehow helped him. And I don't know if anything else happened because of that, but basically nothing really happened in this mini series that should have happened outside of the fact of outside of what, um, uh, Age of Seventy is kind of alluding to because this whole premise was like, yeah, it was going to help Franklin. Just like if you, if anyone remembers the original X Men versus, uh, excuse me, uh, Fantastic Four versus X Men uh, uh, miniseries, that's pretty much the, the prequel to this. Uh, a similar thing was going on with the X Men when Kitty Pride, right after Mutant Massacre, by the way, 
um, had was facing almost facing out of resistance, and no one could help her. And Doom decided to, you know, quote unquote, be benevolent and try to help out. But he also had ulterior motives, and I believe that ended up going into something else. But that's that's a whole other situation that has nothing to do with now. This is pretty much it. And Franklin was involved because he was a little kid, and they were friends, and you know yada yada so that was pretty much the impetus for them to come back to this on the other side of that and do this whole miniseries here and as uh agent 70 said reed richards not only gives a couple of us he basically was charles xavier was like i did this to you and i want you to remember i did this to you because he was like and this was something that probably if it came up in the first issue i don't remember because the first issue was um you know, the crew is coming to try to get Franklin. There was a big fight. Franklin and Kate basically stowed away. Tried, Franklin tried to go through the gate, but he couldn't. What we come to find out is that Reed had this machine that, excuse me, could mask the, the mutant gene um, and potentially take it away. And we and I suspect that that's was the, that was the reason why Franklin could not go into the game because Franklin is a mutant. But none of that was really, I don't think none of that was actually ever said up until this last book, this last right. issue. Yeah, it was more It was more the potential because it, that wasn't what um, what Reed had in, invented it for, but definitely had the potential to do that. That's, and and Roddy Cat is, is, is right on with that because they, they mentioned that here, even though the initial reason for doing it, the, the original um, – uh, thing that uh, Reed Richards had designed it for was to mask the mutant gene um, from the uh, the Krakoan gates to to keep Franklin from going through, or just to be, or if in general, just like say if like so, like, I would imagine if like Cerebro was trying to find mutants, then they if their the mutant gene could be masked, uh, or Sentinel, or Sentinel exactly could could be. So at the end of it, like uh, Agent Seven said, basically Charles Xavier and Magneto was like, you know what, you you cannot have this knowledge. So they, he, Charles Xavier basically took the knowledge of this machine uh, away from Reed, so that he cannot make the machine over again. Um, and and he references the Illuminati stuff that exactly. they did back in the day too. Right. Yeah. Because he was like, yeah. Because you know what would have happened back in the day? I would have taken all of your all of your uh, memories, which did happen. We saw what happened. Not, well, not all of your mention, but remember what happened in uh, Infinity when it did the cap, um, and other times in the past. But he was like, no, I want you to know that I did this. <laughs> so, so you know, so that you know that I know. And then that's where the, this uh, this uh, book ends. And I feel like again, that's got to come up some kind of way. Mm-hmm. There's no way in the world they're just going to leave that out there like that. But largely, this miniseries, outside of that last part, was you know like the, nothing really happened. Everything like Franklin's power still broke. Um, you know, things things are pretty much the way it was. But then again, you could say I could also say that about the original miniseries um fantastic four versus x-men because well no i take the bite because even because even then kitty's power was was getting better at the end of that but she was still phased but it was just a slow slow getting back to to together so technically more happened then on that front 
than what happened here. Now, maybe something's going to happen, obviously, well, not obviously, but um, something's going to happen with Franklin's powers, and uh, this, this may or may not be the end of that. Also, because that is an ongoing thing, but at this point, it's still broken and possibly still leaving him. Mm-hmm. And that, folks, was that book. And again, that was the last issue, so this was, that was it. And right. I guess, if unless you have something else to say about this book, we can go to the rapids. Oh, rapid fire, rapid fire, because I've got a lot to cover. So hit it. Here we go. Matter of fact, you go ahead and go ahead and hit, get your books. All right, because I read a whole bunch of stuff this week. Um, you know, we got our review copies a little on the early side yesterday, so I had a chance to stay up and read. Um, the first book I'm gonna, book I'm going to talk about is something I believe Roddy Cat and I both read, so uh, we'll both have a chance to make our remarks. Um, the book I'm referring to is Amazing Spider-Man: Sins Rising Prelude Number One. Yep. This is a slightly updated origin for the Sin Eater. That recaps the story of the death of Gene DeWolf. Uh, it actually still makes me want to go back and read it on Marvel Unlimited. Same. Because I didn't really read it in depth when, uh, you know, when we were coming up. I think I read, you know, like summaries here and there in like the Ohatmu. So I definitely want to go back and read this now. Anything yeah. else? Uh, yeah, I remember reading it back in then, but I, I vaguely remember uh, the whole swaps of it, but so this is pretty much another one of those one shots that we're like, hey, we're going to make you feel not necessarily make you feel for the villain, but a little bit of context in the backstory to come to to bring folks on today because especially in this case, Senita was dead. We still don't know right. how you know the actual process of how he came back. We just know that Kendrick brought him back. For some for for whatever reason, and apparently even at the end of this book, where they were talking about it, like yeah, there's some stuff coming that y'all don't even know. We don't even know <laughs> what's going to happen, according. Right. To- yeah, I'd also mention that because of the rubber band Marvel continuity, all of a sudden there are cell phones in the era that uh, Gene DeWolf died. So you know that's just the way it works. Yes. Um, next up is surprisingly another potential click of the week for me. It's Batman number 95. Um, Batman continues to be on the run as the Joker and Punchline have cut him off from the Wayne fortune and all support in Gotham City. It's times like this when you wonder why he doesn't just call out to Superman for some help, but he is Batman after all. Uh, The tease for next issue is the Joker taking over all of Batman's resources and turning them against Batman, specifically all of his wonderful toys. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Shout out to Jack Nicholson. Word. I was about to say, yeah, you pretty much said it when you when you said like, why does he doesn't he reach out to Superman? That's exactly why, because he's Batman. He's stubborn. You know, so uh, you know, you just wonder. It's like, oh, it's overwhelming. They're all out to get me. I'm I'm dying, bleeding here. Clark, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. So what are you gonna do? Um, next up is Daredevil number 21. This is also a very strong candidate for click of the week for me. This is the, this continues the aftermath of the war of hell's kitchen and, uh, foggy Nelson, uh, comes up with a deft use of Marvel legal precedent. This is not real life precedent. 
This is Marvel legal precedent, and this was established um, in uh, the Charles Soule run of uh, Daredevil um, in order to create a way for Daredevil to assuage, and this is me being a little cheeky, uh, create to create a way for Daredevil to assuage both his real guilt, because he did maybe commit a murder early in this run, and two, his Catholic guilt. Uh, DD lets someone else in on his secret identity uh, on a secret identity in this issue too. Um, next up is oh, we covered a lot of this stuff. The one X book that Roddy Cat did not read is Wolverine number three. You know, as always, actually no, not as always because oftentimes Wolverine is tied into several. Um, crossovers, and I believe he's going to have at least one tie-in book to X of Swords or Ten of Swords. Yes. But um, <laughs> that's a sarcasm out there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you if you don't recognize that from Roddy Cat um, in Wolverine number three, uh, Logan's character development is actually front and center in this issue. He crafts a plan to combat the Pale Lady and touches upon the growing the growing mystery involving Russia and why Cerebro and the telepaths don't detect any mutants in Russia. Interestingly, the, <coughs> excuse me. Interestingly, the next issue has vampires teased. So you can't forget what happened to Dracula and where the vampire nation is now located. Also, right, cuz isn't that out of from from Avengers? Correct. Yeah. Correct. I think that's playing into this. Mm. I would also add that Logan gets Magneto drunk and steals his helmet. Hmm. In this issue. So it's actually a pretty interesting uh it's a pretty interesting read. And lastly for me is uh one of the free comic book day books that's out this week. It's the Spider-Man Venom number 1. I don't know if you read this. Nope. I won't spoil too much. Um, it's a two part free comic book day book as, as, as usual, uh, the Spidey black cat half catches us up on the events happening to the black cat book, um, from Spidey and Felicia's perspective as they take it to the vulture. The second half venom story is a late because of, you know, COVID-19, obviously it's a late lead into the story in venom 26 that was out, I believe last week. And that's it for me. All right. Cool beans. Um, actually, I only got one more. And realistically, it's a very, very quickly quicker one. Um, sorry. G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, Complete Silence. So, folks, you may or may not have um, known about a little-known issue of the Marvel version of G.I. Joe called um, issue number 21, the silent issue, called Silent Interlude. Guess what, folks? Here's a reprint of said uh, issue, but with the added um, addition, with the addition of a .5 uh, story that is also silent, that is um, going to, you know, that has something to do with I guess this is pretty much like the in between moments of uh silent in- interlude, let's just say, from what is what it looks like. Um and that's pretty much all you you really need to know about that. If you've ever seen that issue, it's a it's a 
iconic issue. In fact, we've talked about it recently when there was a um, there was a uh, video someone did based off of this issue that they did in stop motion. And now they have an, actually another issue to, to do if they so choose because this point five issue is pretty much more of that uh, right. to, to kind of fill in the gaps of some things. So Right. I, and also of note, and I believe I made I made the same point when we were talking about the video, this is the first appearance of Storm Shadow. That is correct. In the comics. That's pretty interesting that, uh, you know, it was just something that, you know, didn't really cross my mind until I saw it noted that this was, in fact, the first appearance of Storm Shadow. And also, um, basically, um, reference to, uh, let's say, Storm Shadow and uh, Snake Eyes' um, common ground, for, for right. lack of a better term. But yeah, so you can check it out. Um, like I said, it's done by Larry Hama, so, you know, the, the original person who... who you know who who did the the original issue? I mean, he's still doing GI Joe, anyways, you know, for IDW. It's kind of taken on from the Marvel stuff, which I kind of feel compelled to go back and read sometimes, but not. You know, maybe more so just the Transformers ones than that's he did not do for Marvel than GI Joe. But sometimes going back and reading some of that stuff is kind of interesting. Well, it's the early stuff. You know, I think is probably the most satisfying because they there's just so many characters they're introducing because of the toys right. that it gets a little overwhelming. But when you're dealing with like like the the first and second generation Joes, which we're probably familiar with because those came out while we were literally asking our moms and dads for to you know for these specific GI Joe toys, and these are the ones that we saw in the cartoons. Those are the ones I think have the the you know uh, are the closest to our respective hearts. So um, it's those are the those are the books I think probably I would recommend that if you're going to look into um, the first run GI Joe stuff, stick to everything up to maybe issue fifty, and then after that you start looking at maybe um, you know here you know like from there you can you can start to maybe uh you can either think about stopping or you know just kind of seeing where, where how comfortable you are reading the rest but it's i think that, up to issue 50 i think is is pretty solid right i think though it doesn't go that much farther than that because doesn't it like stop at 80 no or am i thinking of am i thinking of transformers it might be transformers i believe the original marvel gi joe went a little further than that right because we know there were like special missions and stuff like that that happened right all right, hold on. Let's just check this out real quick before we move on to clicks of the week. Yeah, this is all you know. We'll, you got we'll, me curious. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll save y'all a, a, an email, which we I don't think we've ever really gotten too much of those, or 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 a, <laughs> or a comment or a or tweet a or something. Yeah, you know, you know. And we're old. It sometimes was 155, man. Oh, okay. I mean, the last the last several numbers were you know were, were really really. Um, oh, that's right. Because yeah, because because Hama took it back up from 156 or right. That's, that's right. Yeah. IDW. Right. Right. So or actually, he did a, a 155. Technically, did a 155 0.2.5 or something like that. But still, regardless, he took up from there. Right, but in terms of the GI Joe characters that we knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could probably read up to um, 50, maybe 60, and those are going to be 
you know, the, 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 uh, whatchamacallit, those are going to be the characters that we know best. Mm. After that, it gets a little iffy. So, mm. yeah. I mean, again, some of the special mission force, some of the special mission stuff in the early beginning, in the, in the early times was actually halfway back, halfway good, halfway good rather. Um, but yeah, I would probably agree with, um, what Agent 77 is about that, but unless you're just a want to be completist, but you will not be complete because he's still he's still doing the book and still going. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna note the reason why I thought of 50 is because that's when they introduced Serpentor, so mm. or or 49. Sure. So I remember that as a kid, you know, like I think I was in uh like early junior high school when that happened, mm. like seeing it in the comics or 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 late elementary school when when uh when Serpentor was uh was uh was introduced i think right i'm pretty sure that was after the miniseries that did the same introduction oh it was 86 so yeah this is definitely like early junior high school for me you know like i was already kind of out of the toy collecting at that point but i was still seeing the comics here and there sure you know so um and seeing the cartoon obviously right cool uh, that being the case, like I said, if, if you are so interested in that, like I said, it is a reprint, uh, but has some extra potentially extra stuff. Cause I don't know if that 0. 0.5, uh, was, it looks ever... like it was previously, uh, previously published. So 0. 0.5 one. Yeah. Okay. It looks like it was previously published and this, and for the first time they're put together in one, okay. uh, that in makes a compilation. Sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like I say, because even when Hama restarted, you know, uh, restarted Real America Hero, he was kind of going back on some stuff, like I said, with the point faster. So, I wouldn't be surprised that this would be one of the issues added some stuff to. So, cool. All right. That being the case, we have, we'll move on to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week. What do you got? Well, we got two already. Yes, we do. From well, technically, I guess we do have them. From <laughs> they didn't really specify, but since they mentioned these books, we're gonna give it to them anyway. From Dirt, uh, Detective Comics ten twenty four, and I believe he actually has some note. He did say something about it. Yeah, uh, Batman performs brain surgery on Two Face for real. Uh, this, I guess, this is when started. Wait. This arc started weird with Two-Face as a cult leader, but it eventually made sense. Great artwork, too. Uh, why are all the Batman books not labeled Batman better than the Detective Bat... But with better than Batman's Batman book? I mean... <laughs> I mean... It's, what are you going to do? You know, Tomato, Tomato still the same. Detective It's not like Detective is not a Batman book, but I get what he's saying. That's guy who's pretty right. funny. <laughs> um, uh, oh, and that's what you said. So, also, Tim chimes in and says that uh, he read Empire Number Two. Um, yeah. So, and he likes it. So that's his click of the week. Yeah. So we. I am that to definitely him. torn. I'm torn between several books that I really like this week. I did. I I really enjoyed Empire Number Two because I thought it was moving the event along at a nice pace. Um. You know, it didn't it didn't uh, belabor the point of, you know, something bad happening to Ben Grimm. You know, they kind of just took care of it in one swipe of a one slash of a magic sword. <laughs> right. Which actually actually that, that was the point I was going to make, which reminds me of, again, magic, a.k.a. Uh, Iana Rasputin, because that sounds like because whenever something happens and somebody gets magically taken over, it's like swipe and poof, there you go. And the same thing happened yeah, here. 
So I, I really liked that issue, and I really liked Daredevil number twenty one, and I and I liked Batman number ninety five simply because of the, it seemed like the stakes were being raised uh, with each you know kind of development in the story, but it really comes down to Daredevil number twenty one or Empire number two, but. You know, I've, I'm really jazzed when it comes to this, like, big spacefaring, you know. Even though it seems like everything's moving back to Earth now, I'm still enjoying the big, you know, the big uh, epic event storytelling that's happening in this book. So I'm going to go with Empire number two. Hmm. Okay. Nice. Um, hmm. I mean, that is the one that's pretty much, you know is the buzzworthy book, I guess, this week, as opposed to most of the others. And there's a lot of books that came out this week, mind you, folks, because yep. Marvel's pretty much getting back on their grind. And I, uh, going back to another point, uh, while I'm still thinking about this, was like, you know, I would probably guarantee that even if things had not, even if COVID had not been a thing and, you know, the releases had not been stopped or staggered or whatever the case may be, I feel like these books would still be coming out this much. Specifically, these uh, Empire books. Like, yeah, there's probably a week or two. Like, obviously, they're months, months away from when they originally uh, were supposed to. But I think there would have been probably a slew of these uh, tie-in books coming out just like they did this week. There would have been more. Probably. There would have been more. We we both know that uh, there have been Empire crossovers mm-hmm. that have been canceled because of COVID. Yes. So, you know, we're missing out on the adventures of some characters with regards to the Kotati invasion. Mm-hmm. Also slightly, which I get it, because this was largely, you know, the Creature War was largely Avengers and then Fantastic Four. Was like, I'm surprised the Guardians didn't get involved. But I, I honestly see why, and that's probably good that it didn't. They got their own issues right now. Um, I guess I would just go ahead and go with Empire number two also, because I really can't think of another book that really kind of spoke to me all that well this week. Like, the Complete Science is good, you know, but that was a, it was good <laughs> when it originally came out for right. what it was. And the, the, the additional contents of that, you know, pretty much adds to it, but sure. Um, All right. With that, we will now venture on to the news section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now here comes the news. Yes, folks, we start off with the news as we do every week with the cinematic news. I need to get some more transitions. Um... The Falcon and the Winter Soldier's premiere is being pushed back. Surprise, surprise. 
Um, yeah, just like a lot of other stuff that's being you know pushed back because of um, COVID related issues. Um, yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier is also doing that, and I think it, that it gave a date actually. Um, I thought it did, but apparently it doesn't. But yeah, it's, it's been pushed back, but I'm not sure what the, what the date's going to be now. Mm-hmm. But I think it is definitely into 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Not a surprise. Nope, not at all. Next up. This is a minor surprise. There is a report that Disney Plus's Miss Marvel show is going to begin shooting this fall. One of the projects from Disney Plus's second wave, we haven't even seen the first wave really, of Marvel Studio shows, Miss Marvel has received an apparent start window. According to a report from Murphy's Multiverse, Ms. Marvel will begin filming in Atlanta, Georgia in November, and the production plans to wrap up principal photography by March 2021. So we won't see this until late 2021. Previously, Ms. Marvel was set to start filming in August, but this was delayed due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Yep. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for one. Let's talk about Jesus and Miro. I know, right? <laughs> That was unintentional, but hey, it just happened. Um, Avengers Endgame did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s final season uh, a huge favor. So apparently, because of the fact that uh, Avengers Endgame ended the way it did, and uh, I guess that freed up uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to do what it's doing now and doing the, the time-hopping thing. At least that's what the the partial to take away from this uh this piece um is giving us and it says here let's see it says um agents of shield is going out with a time travel bang although the marvel cinematic universe pretty much abandoned its first foray into television i don't know about abandoned that's a little harsh but sure a while ago the show's seventh and final season has been a hell of a lot of fun as agent colson and team trapes through time uh trying to prevent a group of alien robots and hydra from erasing shield from history you know that old chat's not um, but this season could have been a total disaster if weren't for Avengers Endgame. Uh, and the article kind of goes on from there and explains why. If you are having caught up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like I have and don't want to be spoiled, spoiled, yeah, I won't go any further. Next up. All right, and some interesting news. Marvel's Eternal star may have revealed the film's teaser poster. Although the Eternals won't debut until next year, the film's first teaser poster may have just been quietly revealed. Actor Ma Dong Seok, also known as Don Lee, posted several photos on Instagram. The photos come from Dong Seok's time filming the Eternals on location in London and include a potential teaser poster for the film. Uh... He plays Gilgamesh, and uh, the poster showcases the Eternals standing together, looking at what appears to be several portals in the sky, although little else can be made out. Interesting. Yes, if you're watching the video, you can see the Instagram post here. That's a big dude. (laughs) Yeah, he's not that tall, but he's a big dude, and Gilgamesh is no slouch. Yeah, so... Good on them for the casting, I guess. Um, the the little in, the the little movie that could and is on the verge of 
dying or not dying or zombifying. We don't know. But New Mutants is coming to Comic-Con at home. And here's a new trailer. So this was... Uh, and as uh, You Fox watched it yet? Yes, I did. The, the trailer, I did. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. I have not watched. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's relatively still a lot of the footage that we've seen in, in previous trailers. Okay. So there's really not much more that they've added. And if you did not know, the new mutants uh, is a long belabored movie. Um, and that is supposedly taking on the demon bear saga, which we have talked about on this very show. Not that far long ago. In fact, it was like only a couple of weeks ago. So maybe go back to that episode and, and hear our thoughts on that. If you saw them. Those aren't portals. Wait, what? I'm oh, looking the- at the, I'm looking at the image. Those aren't portals. Oh, is that what the article That's is? That's a chess for? piece. That's the chess piece from the from 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 uh, what you call it from uh, from a uh, uh, what you call a celestial, I think. Hmm. You know. <laughs> well, you know. That's my. Yeah. That's yeah. my opinion. article. I mean, I feel like you were probably more right than the article is, or it could be. We don't even know at this point. But regardless, uh, so Nubians has a new trailer or a newish, I guess, trailer that is being that has come out a few days ago at this point, and there's going to be a panel that I believe happened to. Day, yes. In fact, the, uh, at the, the time of this recording on the twenty third, the New Mutants panel uh, was earlier today. So yep. we will probably get some more news about that um, next week if there is anything else to share, or if there is any other things to share, like a new trailer or something next week. But yeah, I mean, it looks. I I. I'm still kind of on the fence about this one because what they're what we now know to, to, that they're referencing, having just finished reading it a couple of weeks ago, and what is being shown in the trailer is a little bit of a division. But again, it's the cinematic version, so things are going, not going to be directly the same. Um, but it still looks good. You know, I they, they definitely did some good casting, also. For for a couple of characters specifically, um, and maybe less so in others, but we'll see. Hopefully, if this movie ever actually comes out, this poor movie, this is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad. This, I don't. I don't. I'm going to sit here and say without even seeing it, this movie didn't deserve everything that's happened to it. But also, Fox was probably going to screw it up anyway. So thankfully, yeah, that's the yeah. I was about to say you hit on you you hit upon I think the main point for fans of the characters and fans of the stories that they're basing the movie upon. So they probably did screw it up. I mean, again, a lot of that was still already is pretty much still in the movie. So it's that's still left to be said whether it's going to be messed up or not. But we'll see. We'll see if it ever comes out. Next up. We'll see. Uh, there's a rumor out that uh, Solo, a Star Wars story's Donald Glover, a.k.a. the Prowler, <laughs> is rumored to reprise his role as Lando Calrissian and mispronounce Han, uh, Han as Han to headline a new Disney Plus series. <laughs> the latest episode of the Kessel Run Radio video podcast revealed the rumor in its final segment. At this time, it is unknown what the official title of the Star Wars series would be if it comes to fruition, though the podcast reports one possibility is the Calrissian Chronicles. Hey, hey, lay off the Chronicles. No, we don't. We can't. We, we can't. We can't do anything about that one. Chronicles is enough. 
Like if they said comic book chronicles, we got them. But we, we can give, we can give that the we can give that to them. And believe me, folks, that somebody has tried before. Um, but we won't talk about that. Yes. So next up, um, whoops, Disney delays uh, Mulan indefinitely. Star Wars and Avatar movies pushed back a year. Now, obviously, the the, the main draw here is you know Star Wars because of synergy but you know hey people love them some mulan and this is the mulan uh live action movie right and the less said about those avatar movies the, the better excuse me and we're talking about avatar the, the blue people yes the blue space uh white savior movie not the last airbender movie which was terrible from what i hear i have not watched it and don't plan to it uh none by shamalama so uh, Mulan is no longer being released on August 21st and is now unset on Disney character. And I wonder if some of that has anything to do with some of the scuffle with, I believe, the star saying some things uh, on social media a while back. Not sure. Or was it the star? Somebody said something. It might have been the star. But regardless, I, I, it might be other things other than that. Who knows? But uh, see, this is making some major changes to its release calendar that includes the delaying Mulan from its August 21st re- release indefinitely and pushing back to the future uh, Star Wars movies and Avatar movies by a year, which we knew we were getting Star Wars stuff. We just didn't, you know, we had already talked last week, I think, about some stuff that was coming down the line. Um, so, yeah. See, on Thursday, the company said that the theater closure and production shutdowns during the global coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID pandemic, caused it to make a number of adjustments to its slate. Um, so, there you go. And apparently, Disney shares fell slightly in after hours trading and were down nearly 1%. Oh, no. That means one one less stack of gold bars in the money bin. Oh no, Uncle Scrooge, what are you going to do? I know, right? So anyway. Next up. Anyway. So, um, as a guest on The Tonight Show with dumbass Jimmy Fallon, yes, wow. I am not a fan of Jimmy Fallon. Clearly. Screw. Listen, he lives here in New York. I, he actually doesn't live too far away from where I go to church, and a lot of people I know have met him hmm. and say he's a nice guy. He's a dumbass. Screw him. Wow. So, okay. um. But as a guest on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fan, yeah, seriously, shots fired. If y'all got anything, if y'all got any defense for Jimmy Fallon, you come at me, son. Bring it. <laughs> so um, J- James McAvoy spoke on that moron show, um, spoke about a recent Star Trek parody he was a part of. He also confessed that he is more than open to taking on the role of Star Trek's Captain Jean-Luc Picard uh, as a young Captain Picard. McAvoy, known for his role as a young Charles Xavier in the X-Men films, is no stranger to being Patrick Stewart's successor. Stewart originated the Xavier role in 2000's X-Men, and after Stewart recently reprised his role as Jean-Luc Picard in CBS All Access's Star Trek Picard, fans <coughs> excuse me, began to joke that McAvoy could once again play a younger version of Stewart. In response to this fan speculation and teasing, McAvoy filmed a homemade Star Trek parody titled entitled Star Force. Did you watch this? I did not. I when I read this, when I finally read this article, I was like, huh, I should go check that out. And I never did. Same, same, same. In which he actually plays Captain Picard. It's a 12-minute video that was filmed during the COVID pandemic, featuring each actor filming segments within their own homes. 
So they were basically all on video, I would imagine. Well, actually, no, you don't necessarily have to because shots, tracking shots or whatever being what they are. So I, I will definitely check this out. Microphone's actually got some range. Um, mm-hmm. So, and again, we already know he, he definitely can, he's played after um, 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 Patrick Stewart before. So, and I believe, I feel like there was, he, there was, he was on some show and did a, um, did a pretty good impression of him. I might be wrong about that. So regardless, yeah, like I said, check this out. If you're so interested, like we're kind of interested, probably check this out. Uh, check out the show notes. Next up, uh, Star Trek's next animated show will be called Prodigy and it will debut in 2021. Uh, the Star Trek Universe panel at Comic-Con at Home 2020 celebrated not one, not two, but five different Star Trek shows that are currently in various stages of production and development. Uh, the new seasons, uh, looks like the, uh, the, of course, the new seasons of Discovery and Star Trek Picard. There's that new Star Trek Lower Deck show, animated show that's coming out. And apparently, I did not know about this one or this uh, or this Prodigy one, but Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which seems to me as a Star Trek fan kind of redundant because that's pretty much most of their mission in Star Trek. So just to having that as a title, but semantic, whatever, we're not going to, you know. Um, and of course, Star Trek Prodigy, uh, which was announced during the panel, which sounds like uh, the Prodigy is, um, it says the Nickelodeon Caesars is targeting a kid-friendly demographic. So, and it's going to be animated just like Lower Decks. And let's see, will be the first of the Star Treks in the CBS All Access era that will not be exclusive to the streamer in the U.S. The series will premiere on Nickelodeon, which is a Viacom company, by the way. So, Synergy. Um... In 2021, is described as a CG animated series that will follow a group of lawless teens who discover a derelict starship and uses the search for adventure, meaning, and salvation. So I believe we've heard about this show before. In fact, I feel like we've talked about this show before, but we just didn't have a name for it. So, and it will be written by Emmy Award, uh, Emmy winning writers Kevin Hagerman and Kevin, Kevin and Dag. Excuse me, Kevin and Dan Hageman, known for Troll Hunters, the Lego movie, and Ninjago. So a lot of stuff that you can see now on Netflix that's out there for the Lego stuff. Uh da, 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 da. and that's pretty much it outside of Strange New Worlds, which is a recently announced spin-off series which will feature Anson Mounts as Captain Pike, uh Ethan Peck's Mr. Spock, and Rebecca Remains number one. The characters were a hit with fans uh, when they appeared in season two of Discovery and the uh, executive producer and Trekhead head honcho Alex Kurtzman said during the panel that we heard from fans. We la- He laughed about how they really wanted to tell people uh, about the show at Comic-Con a year ago, but that deals were still being hammered out. So this was also something that I think was also rumored uh, and definitely the one that people wanted, you know, when Pike showed up in season, Pike and Cooper showed up in season two. And uh, so now it is an actual show. So more Star Trek for the Star Trek fans. Fling, fling. Kurtzman also revealed that 10 stories have been broken off from the series so far, which would seem to imply that season one will be a 10-episode run. That, of course, could change. 
Um, the Strange New Worlds will feature the mission of the USS Enterprise under Captain Pike in the time period after his appearance on Discovery, but obviously before Captain Kirk takes command of the ship. There you go. Oh, and apparently Mounties that show will deal with Pike's knowledge of his ultimate fate, ultimate tragic fate, revealed a half century ago on the original series and also touched upon in Discovery. Um, so yeah, I guess he's going to be dealing with that. Next up. All right, next up, um, with the Snyder Cut, uh, coming to HBO Max in 2021, many are wondering how and when to play Zack Snyder's Justice League in the DC Extended Universe timeline. Nowhere. In an interview, who cares, exactly. right? In an interview with Beyond the Trailer, Snyder addressed these questions, confirming that this film exists outside the current DCEU continuity in the Snyderverse. He's got his own verse now, so which includes 2013's Man of Steel, 2016's Batman vs. Superman, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. I mean, it's even if it of, wasn't, even if it wasn't, he was probably going to say that because of the fact that he, he's done all this movie, or somebody was going to. Right. It's kind of separate, he says. Now, from what I could, would say the DC Cinematic Universe is in continuity, uh, he says, I think it's divergent in that way, and I think that's a good thing. The director went on to praise DC and the emphasis it puts on individual voices for its, film, for its films. What? And all, all I have to say about that is... Awesome. Wow. Shout out to King George. The individual voices of whom is pretty much you know what? Never mind. That's whatever. Yeah. Exactly. That's that, that that's the sound effect to a T. Uh, anyway, moving right along because before don't before I get started on that mess. Good news, everyone. Um, Avatar sequel series, The Legend of Korra, to hit Netflix in August. And as we have said many times on this show, just in time for the fact that I had already bought the box set a while ago. Just like uh, when, um, or not even a while ago, it was like, um, actually, I think I bought it before I bought the um, the Avatar Last Airbender set that ended up in, being on Netflix. So there we go. My run still still goes, folks. <laughs> you buy a box set, it ends up on, on Netflix uh, uh, months later. So guess what? She's the Avatar. You got to deal with it. And it is coming on, I believe it's the 21st. I did have a thing on that. Oh, 14th, excuse me. August 14th is when Legend of Korra is going to hit Netflix. So finish up your uh, last uh, Avatar Last Airbender rewatches before next the, the 14th. Next up. All right. Next up, uh, Netflix has released the first trailer for Project Power, which stars Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt as they attempt to stop the illegal selling of pills that grant its users superpowers. The opening of the trailer has Fox's character revealed that the superpowered pill grants its powers for up to five minutes. So, you know, there will be five minute man. Oh, no! If it lasts longer than five hours, then please see your doctor. You know, we know, we know, uh, you know, um, our man. And we <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. So anyway, isn't this so, just limitless though? Right. So, which we call it. So each power is unique to the individual. So it's 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 you know it's 
It's basically MGH. <laughs> okay. Yes. It is. Go on. Growth yes. Hormone. You're right. Right. So uh, each power is unique to the individual. As we see a person burst into flames, another gains super strength, and a third individual turns invisible. Another huge revelation is the mysterious Project Power organization uh, kidnapping uh, Jamie Foxx's daughter to mass produce the pill. Okay. But you feel like Project Power was a, I don't know, was it Valiant or someone was doing a line of comic books on that, but that, that may or may not have anything to do with this. Um, I guess that's irrelevant because it would have said. But again, there was a movie in 2011 called Limitless, that, and, and actually I showed that it ended up doing a, a relatively same thing called Limitless. Mm-hmm. Show, um, one Bradley Cooper, a.k.a. Rocket Raccoon, was the star of that movie, and he took a pill. And think, I think he just got smarter, but it wasn't like superpower. He just got way smarter. So it's technically different, but still same. Right. Next up... Ryan Reynolds, and actually this is, well, this is the next to last, because I, I, I put another thing in the thing that you don't know about, but I'll get to that in a second. Ryan Reynolds, Samuel... Why do we do such things? Because, you know, because we can. <laughs> and this has, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it has nothing to do with comic books at all, but I just saw it and I was like, I had to. Nevertheless, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Samuel Jackson to star in a new animated series called Fothermucker. Uh, Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds will be teaming up for a new animated comedy series called Father Mucka. According to a report from Variety, all that is known that is about the series is that it will be on the mobile video streaming service uh, Kibi. Is that Kibi! Yeah. Has anybody actually even checked any of that stuff out? Because Anyway, whatever. Uh, so far, this is the unusual logline. Samuel Jackson's and Jackson and Ryan Reynolds love each, o- love each other. More accurately, Ryan loves Sam. Uh, when a minor mishap causes Sam to become Ryan's primary caregiver, things get weird. Why? Okay. Anyway, Ryan is delighted to spend all of his time with Sam. Sam couldn't be reached for comments. Um, this year, the series was being created and executive produced by Jim and Brian Kehoe, who will also serve as showrunners. The brothers are the comedy writing duo behind the 2018 film Blockers. Um, also, I guess worth noting, and it probably bears being said, that uh, Brian Reynolds and Samuel Jackson have worked on a couple of movies together. Uh, one of which I've seen, the the Hitman's Bodyguard and the sequel to Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which I haven't seen. Oh, it was because it's coming out next year. So, yay, I guess. Hitman's, Hitman's uh, Bodyguard wasn't terrible. What great! It kind of reminds me of Sam Sam Jackson's earlier work, where he was just getting a paycheck. <laughs> right. I was about to say my response to this is, yeah. So, and obviously the only reason I put that in there because they have both played, you know, sure, you know, superhero characters or tied characters. Uh, screw Deadpool. Next, uh, so the last one, as I will say real quick, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is still one of the all-time best comedies. There's nothing else needs to be said about that. I just wanted to bring that up. Also, me. So, we are going to go, if you've not seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, what are you doing with your life? Really? Um... But before we go into the comic book session section, I would just like to let folks know that one, uh, October solicitations have come out 
for various uh, publishers, Marvel and DC being two of those. Uh, and some of the, the news will be coming out is from that. So you should go check that out in the show notes if you are a solicitation watcher. Um, also, there is a story in the clickbait section about the fact that um, the new Batwoman, uh, Javisha Leslie, is not the first black uh, Batwoman. And there was one before uh, her. And there's an article all about that. And there's also another uh, article about the road that the New Mutants movie has taken to get to where it is now, which is pretty much limbo. Thanks, Magic. Um, and also, I guess last but not least on that front, uh, you all know about the Bad Batch. Well, Star Wars OG badass clone troopers were the Munis 10, which is basically from Jindy Tartofsky's, um Clone Wars, which is not canon, and that is so sad because, as I've said before, people get introduced properly uh, that don't get properly introduced in the Clone Wars. There you go. Um, also, there's a story in here about uh, five shows and movies to put you back on the convention floor if you're missing Comic Con, but who's missing that kind of stuff at this point? When it's at home now. And now we go into the comic book news. And yes, folks, please watch uh, Spider-Man is Amazing Friends if you have access to Disney+, Plus because it's dope. DC's Catwoman introduces a new villain, a quote, Instagram queen pin gone mad. Uh, and this is from... Uh, I was about to say, did you skip two stories? I don't believe I did. Or if I did, I didn't. I sure did. Son of a biscuit. Um... <laughs> I'm like, where's he reading? Not because, to down a because I was, because yeah, these are the links I forgot to actually put. Uh, oh, I, I, that I was getting to when I was get, putting the run up in, but I forgot to I put the that. last two issues because we were talking. So uh, we'll get back to that in a second because it's still my that would still be my story anyway. Um, right. Batgirl, Batman, and the Outsiders and Justice League Odyssey set to end in October. DC confirms again from the solicitations. Okay. So sad to see. Actually, I would say sad to see Odyssey go, but it was. I feel like it was going to block for a while. Um, but uh, see, Batgirl is going to end at fifty. Justice League, uh, excuse me, yeah, Justice League Odyssey is going to end at twenty five, ending on a quote unquote milestone issue. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders will end on wait. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, October 13th with issue 17 is when Batman and Outsiders is going to end. Uh, I guess shout out to Brian Hill, who was writing that book still. Mm-hmm. Who's been on the show. Uh, next up. So apparently, I'm going to see if I can open this uh, this story while I read the summary. So apparently, Supergirl did something that we didn't think could be done uh, and dealt with... Uh, an, a supposedly unkillable hero um, most severely. Hmm. Um, apparently in issue 26 of Supergirl, Kara Zor-El, one of the most powerful characters in DC Comics, did something that was considered impossible even for her cousin Superman to do. You know, they have essentially the same powers. What she did was she killed one of the most resilient and durable characters of all time, Lobo with one punch. So, you know, take that, Batman. Uh, so, I I feel like, and I might be wrong about this, but I feel like there's a caveat to this. 
because I think there are two Lobos running around, and this was the younger possible clone or something. I'm not even sure. DC's stupid with their continuity. But because I'm looking at this uh, issue, and I'm looking at the, the panel where she actually does the thing, and Lobo has no facial hair, and I believe there <laughs> this is the younger other Lobo, where there is because there was a fairly recent issue of Teen Titans where I guess the OG Lobo came in then because he has a now daughter had his daughter who's on the team and was trying to get her. Uh, and he's fully bearded and you know the main man and all that kind of good stuff. Right. So I'm thinking so so I don't know. This could be I don't know if this is the same Lobo or this is absolutely the, the different Lobo that I'm thinking it is. While still a feat, it's right. Still kind of like yeah. yeah. Kind of less of a definitely, because... yeah, definitely a feat. Um, the article does go on to note that while Lobo was killed in the fight, he would not stay dead. In the exactly. next issue, he returns from the dead. So uh, and that was going to be the other. Keep... Yeah, that was going to be the other thing I was going to make is because every time they kill Lobo, he always comes back. Right, it's pretty hard to keep this awful character down. Right. Shots fired. <laughs> pretty much. Next up, back to the story that I started off with uh, unintentionally. Yeah, DC's Catwoman introduction a villain, a new Instagram queen pen going mad. Uh, this is from August 14th, Catwoman number 24, where Selena goes out to the big city and deep into the jungle to steal the world's largest diamond from a group of supervillains, including a new DC character that is described as what I just said. I'm not going to repeat it. And the rest of the article is a um, is an interview with Sean Gordon Murphy about it. Or actually, excuse me, uh, no, this is an interview with Blake Northcott, who is the co-writer for this story. And this is an interview where it looks like her. So, yeah, there you go. Next up. All right, next up. um, The Cape Crusader is getting a new costume this October. At least he is, according to series artist Jorge Jimenez's variant cover for Batman number 100 revealed in a retailer mailer from the publisher. Um, I just took a quick peek at this article. It's actually been already, re- this costume's already been revealed in this week's Batman number 95. Oh, okay. Is that what it was, 95? I've I, I read it. I just forgot the number. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. Um, um, I'm just going to scroll up in our sheet real quick because I did note, yeah, 95. Okay. I don't know. It's uh, if you had told me different, it looks like he's got Captain Universe powers, but I know it's supposed to be like Chrome or something, right? Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Next up, <laughs> DC reveals new creative team for the Flash and quote unquote a last page cliffhanger no reader will see coming. Yay! Dun dun dun. Uh, writer Kevin Shinnick. And I don't know if that's how you pronounce the name, but I apologize. And artist Clayton Henry are taking over DC's long-running, pun intended, on-calling title The Flash for October 13th, 763. Announced as a part of the solicits, this new creative team takes over following Joshua Williams' four-year run as title as writer of the title. Uh, the secret history of Barry Allen's flash ring is revealed as the Scarlet Speedster tangles with the Trickster in a tale that starts off as fun and games, but ends up with the last page, page cliffhanger. No reader will see coming. 
Just okay. Listen. Don't skip to the end. Don't spoil it for your friends. Oh, dear. What are they doing now? Um, but anyway, so there is that. Look forward to that if you're reading Flash. Next. Right. So in, a, in, a, in something that happened in last week's Dark Knight's Metal book, um, Death Metal, Dark, Dark Knight's Death Metal, uh, introduces a new Dark Knight and then promptly kills him. It was a version of uh, the Dark Knight that was like that that essentially gave him the powers of the atom. So yeah, that was pretty. It was pretty interesting because it happened very early in the book. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Right, because we talked about that last week. Yep. Uh, without getting into it too much, but hey. Next up. Uh, Wonder Woman shows how we fail and how we can be better, says artist uh, Mikhail Janin. So this is an article. Um, this is an article with that's an inf- interview with uh, the artist Mikhail Janin, who is taking over uh, art duties. Yeah, art duties on Wonder Woman, starting with July twenty eighth, uh, seven fifty nine, with writer um, Mariko Tamaki. Um. And I believe there was a, another, I feel like I might have seen like a tweet or something with uh, Marco Tamaki about, you know, what what this means to her or something like that, but I can't remember. Um, or maybe I'm thinking about that Spider-Woman issue and, it was, and it's called a Girl that I'm thinking about. Uh, no, one has nothing to do with it. Regardless, if you are interested in um, their thoughts about uh, this, you can go check out this article. In the shoutouts. Next up. All right. So a cosplayer has modernized Mr. Terrific's outfit for the Black Lives Matter era in a simple but effective way uh, by changing his face paint symbol from a T into a stylized fist. Corey Morgan tweeted photos of himself sporting the character's new look, captioned, when your message and your cosplay sync up perfectly. You can't wear the words fair play on your sleeve without believing that all lives can't matter unless and until black lives matter. There you go. I mean, got a point. There you go. Got a point. I wish they would have showed the whole thing, but the the relevant part is shown in this picture. Normally they would have shown the whole thing, but no. So that's cool. Uh, Next up, we get into some toy corner news with. Uh, Hasbro Retro G.I. Joe line exclusive to Walmart, SDCC Commander in September. So there's going to be a Cobra Commander figure in uh, that is a, I guess, uh, SDCC exclusive that's going to come out in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you can see the figure here, it says Snake Supreme Cobra Commander. Uh, all decked out in his regalia with the bucket hat and serpent staff and gun and all this other stuff. And then you too can say, "Was a man um, Destro? <laughs> you imbecile!" Anyway, yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> I want what I want now. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so but you can re- pre-order that right now, as of this recording. Uh, it says, see. There's also going to be figures of the Baroness, Storm Shadow, and another Snake Eyes figure, it looks like. Uh, and the Striker and the Cobra Hiss. So shout out to Coastal of the Podcast and the, the founding members of that. So you can grab your Hiss type if you didn't already have one with Hiss Driver. 
and an all striker with a driver uh coming soonish. And it looks like it's three point seven five scale. I was about to say, it's kind of cool that they're going retro with the 3.75-inch scale because I know that uh, Hasbro is putting out G.I. Joes in the Marvel Legends 6-inch scale now right? so that they're comfortable. But it's kind of cool that they're putting out some retro ones because I know people still out there you know, love that little, uh, that little scale because of one big thing. That oh, big absolutely. thing is that you can put them in vehicles. Right. 6-inch scale vehicles is going to be just insane, you know, like... You know, we're, we're talking, especially coming off of the, the, the news of the Sentinel, six-inch vehicles are not <laughs> going to be cheap. So having that smaller scale makes for um, makes for having vehicles. And when I was a kid, I I would have killed for some vehicles, man. Right. Those are awesome toys. Whoever the fool was, they had the uh, the flag. The, the, oh, the aircraft the, carrier. Yeah, oh, those were coveted beings right there. <laughs> oh my. The, I mean, the, listen, it was a big deal. I had a Sky Striker. Yeah, right? I was about to say, I, I think I had access to one that I ended up having, but... Um, I had a Sky Striker. I had a Dragonfly. I had some decent vehicles from the first couple of runs, mm-hmm. but then, you know, obviously my, my collecting and my, my access to them, you know, uh, fell off as I got a little older, but I definitely had a chance to enjoy uh, Sky Striker and Dragonfly while I was still young enough to really enjoy it. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely remember those, but, um, you know, it was like later elementary school for me when the flag came out and, oh my God. Yeah. Jeez, man. Coveted. Coveted. I'm like, wow, y'all are rich. You got, you got this. Yeah, seriously. Um, but my purview was more Transformers than G.I. Joe. And I think I actually even got more, I had ended up getting more mask vehicles than, than G.I. Joe stuff in general, but definitely Transformers was and is still kind of, where my joint is. Gotcha, gotcha. I was definitely more a G.I. Joe guy. Transformers, because they were like that, that just like next step up in terms of expensive, mm-hmm. in terms of price, I think it was easier for, for, for me to justify getting like two or three little G.I. Joes, you know, and getting a lot of play out of them as opposed to one Transformer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, at least, the larger, at least the larger Transformers, not the small, you know, like I didn't always want to get the smaller ones. So, sure. yeah, because you know. that's how it started. Like, you got the little small, like your Bumblebee, Cliff Jumper, those joints, uh, uh, Ironside. You might didn't may step up to like if you like me, you got a, a ratchet, um, uh, Ironside, an Ironhide. Never did get a prime, I'm fairly certain. Um, right. I had a, I had a friend, I had a family friend that had a prime, had a Megatron. Oh my god, I went to his house. Mm. All I wanted to do was transform those things, man. Yeah, uh, I, I did get a sound wave because if I was going to have any, and actually still now because I, I, I told the sad story on how I had to give away all my transformers, but now I have. Really? A, yeah, that was a while ago. I, I think I told that story like a while ago on the show. Um, I had a leg sound wave. Yeah, I had I had a, I still and I and I got a because thanks to Masterpiece Transformers, I which on hindsight, boy, I wish I still had my old ones because I probably wouldn't have been so keen on getting the uh, the, the Masterpiece, which are expensive. Now, if I still had my old one, well, I probably would have still good. Not who knew, even knows, knowing me. But uh, yeah, I got my sound wave. I'm looking for a blaster now with the tapes and a couple of things. We don't need to go through all of that because I'm pretty sure we'll have very much opportunity to talk about that when more Transformers show themselves up. Just like, and I don't think this one says it. No, it doesn't. So one of the next articles will probably uh, bring that back up. But next up, all right. 
All right, next up, uh, does anyone have a milk bone dog biscuit for Hasbro's latest Ghostbusters toy? It's called Tully's Terrible Night, and io9 is excited to exclusively reveal the toy in all its glory. It's part of the new collectible, quote, plasma series from the toy maker. The set is a two-pack featuring Louis Tully, played by Rick Moranis in the film, and a terror dog, which famously ruined Lewis's big party in the film. As well, both figures featuring multiple points of articulation and a photorealistic head sculpt on Tully's head, capturing Moranis's likeness in a moment of terror dog-induced, uh, well, terror. The set also includes the wired-up colander the Ghostbusters used to test Louis af- Lewis after his possession by Vince Clortho. Okay. Yeah, now you need to do is get another one of these, and then I uh, find a. I don't think they have a, a Dana uh, set, and then you could do the key, one. You could do the keymaster and, and the, the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper, um, yeah. And you could also, you know, so she's a dog. Sure. You could also right. do that. But you know, but you actually you can do that with one, but still, uh, but you would still need the Dana figure because you know you got to make that you got to make it do what it do. Anyway, next up, and more toy news, uh, Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown joins Nika's uh, Back to the Future toys. So Doc Brown's got a figure looking actually pretty decent. Uh, one including shock face, another set of hands and a wrench, and some schematics. You can see here in the video, I mean, not the video, well, you can see in the video version of the show, um, uh, a picture of said, uh, said, said thing, said figure. And see, this particular version, based on the films, the first film's 1955 scenes, includes uh, clock tower, blueprints, monkey wrench, gloved hands, and an extra head that looks even crazier than the first. A 2015 version with mirror shades and a Wild West blacksmith outfit valiant seems like a no-brainer, according to this article. Um, does it give price? It does not. So look forward to that when you feel like it. Next up. All right. Of course, I would get this story because at Matt Wang 97 emailed me about this, um, saying that a mutual friend of ours would uh, be a, a, a prime target for this, uh, the set, uh, you know, and, and it was it was pretty funny to see the email. Um, yeah, and he, also, I think, he also tweeted it out to us. Yeah, he also did tweet it to us. So, uh, you know, it's pretty funny. So earlier this month, Hasbro launched their Little Pony crossover collection, which mashes up My Little Pony characters with other popular fandoms. The collection kicked off with the Ghostbusters Plasmane figure, and they're following it up with a Dungeons and Dragons Cutie Marks and Dragons set that includes five figures. The four and a half scale figure, four and a half inch scale figures are inspired by an iconic class of D&D characters, rogue, barbarian, druid, bard, and wizard. The set also comes with an exclusive D20 die and a pony-themed illustrated dungeon master screen that's included in this, uh, a picture of which is included in the article. Pre-orders for the Dungeons & Dragons My Little Pony Cutie Marks and Dragons figure set are live on Entertainment Earth for fifty nine ninety nine with shipping slated for September. I do believe it is also available on Hasbro Plus. Mm. Um, yeah, so and that uh, that Dungeon Master screen for when that inevitable uh, My Little Pony D and uh, D session hits, and I think uh, I have a strange feeling there's probably already one. 
Um, probably already been a couple. I think this also article also says uh, there's a board game from Dungeons yes, and Dragons. It's called, yeah, it's called Dungeons and Dragons Adventure Begins. Also available for pre-order on Hasbro Plus. Let me see if I can click that and find out how much the pre-order is oh, for twenty four ninety nine. Yeah. So there's no picture of that in here, sadly. And actually, there's some more note for toy news in here, but we'll, we'll probably skip out on some of that. Um, but there's also a Critical Role Funko Pop that is launching, apparently, or had already launched as as of this article, which was from a couple of days ago. Um, so fans of Critical Role, rejoice. The Funko Pops are finally out. Um, but yeah, Inuyasha finally gets a Funko Pop also. So yeah, there you go, since we go ahead and put that in there. Next up... Uh, the coolest San Diego Comic-Con collectibles that are easy to get your hands on this year. So this is an article from Gizmodo that basically runs down a whole bunch of stuff that you can get, uh, you know, because of the fact that San Diego Comic-Con is at home. And uh, was this from earlier today? This is from yesterday. Because, yeah, so a lot of stuff kind of comes out because they already have the news prior to. So this is not a surprise that this is already out. So there's some stuff from Mattel. Um, looks like um, looks like Hulk in the back of a truck from in was the in game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so in game truck and there's a uh, featuring Little Hulk and a Rocket McCoon. We're not gonna go through all of this, but uh, you can look at the article for this. I think that Mister T um, uh, figure that we talked about last week that that uh, Transformer uh, Top Gun Transformer is also in this uh, list that we talked about last week. Uh, and some other stuff of value of uh, from Star Wars, Aliens, uh, uh, and from places all the way around, including a triple. Yeah, I have a triple. Um, anyway, and stuff from Funko, Hot Toys, uh, Diamond Select, uh, Entertainment Earth, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and of course more pins. So you can go right. check that article out yourself. And I believe this is when um, Agent Seventy comes through with some more stuff. Right. Just I wanted to summarize very quickly some of the releases from the Marvel Legends corner of the toy, the toy universe. Um, I'm a big Marvel Legends fan. Over my shoulder, you can see my little display, my reenactment of uh, the cover of uh, Jim Lee and Chris Claremont's X-Men number one in Marvel Legends form. Um, I'm no action figure photographer, but I definitely enjoy, um, you know, getting the toys I always wish I, wa- I wish I had when I was younger. Right. So, um, you know, and Marvel Legends does that for me. So this week um, and last actually, yeah, actually this week, uh, Marvel Fan Fridays, which is the event that uh, Hasbro likes to do to do their um, their Legends reveals was moved to Tuesday because of Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con at home. So uh, this week it was revealed that um, the previously revealed uh, X-Men 20th anniversary movie action figures are now up for pre-order on Hasbro Pulse and uh, other um, uh, online uh, toy um, uh, 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 toy vendors. Uh, you can get the Marvel Legends X-Men movie Mystique, Wolverine, and a two-pack of Magneto and Prefer- Professor X. They are now up for order on several websites, including Hasbro Pulse. Um uh, a quick note, uh, the crowdfunding project for from HasLab of the Sentinel has, has, has got all sorts of unlocks done. They did all the unlocks 
Um, they got so much support for that that they're actually going to include an extra tentacle now so that you'll have two tentacles to go with your sentinel. I still have not backed it, but I plan to before the time is up. Um, <laughs> next up, next up, in terms of more movie figures available on Hasbro Plus, there, uh, there is... Um, a two pack of the movie Deadpool. This is the, actually the own, the first movie Deadpool action figure that's out. So if you're a fan of the Deadpool movies and the way he depicted there, um, it's not terrible, but you know, I'm not the biggest fan. I don't care about getting the toys for that, but you know, the movies aren't terrible. Um, uh, he comes in a two pack with Negasonic teenage warhead and the figures are actually pretty cool. Um, also in terms of, um the Deadpool movie there is a single card domino figure the Zazzy Beats um action figure looks really good if i was a bigger fan of the character i would definitely buy that i would cop that because that is a cool cool figure the facial sculpt is great i think the likeness is pretty good pretty natural and it's just very well put together. So I would actually recommend Roddy Cat take a look at that. I doubt that he'd buy it, but at least, you know, take a peek. Um, also, in terms of the Deadpool action figures, Deadpool movie action figures, there is unfortunately an exclusive figure from this wave. It is the cable, the, the Josh Brolin cable. It's exclusive to Walmart. Speaking of exclusive to Walmart, is a venomized Captain America figure um, that was teased at uh, New York Toy Fair earlier this year and is now out for order, um, up for order on Walmart, uh, at Walmart. Um, there's also um, some X-Men related figures, but related to the old man Logan corner of the universe. We have an old man Logan with a baby Hulk with an old man Hawkeye two pack. And it's actually really cool looking. Um, you should take a look at them. If you are a fan of that particular part of the Marvel universe, uh, one of the pre-orders that I was able to jump on is the Amazon exclusive Marvel legends, Nimrod, uh, Psylocke and Phantom X three pack. So I pre-ordered mine. I'm happy to get this Nimrod. It has two heads. One is a Hox Pox head, and one is the traditional all pink face from um, the Nim from Nimrod's first appearance. It's pretty cool. So I definitely got my hands on that. What I was not able to get my hands on, and this is why I am more than a little what's the term nowadays salty. More than a little salty about is the Target exclusive. That being the OG Storm, first appearance Storm with the OG. You know, she's got two heads. It's just a really cool figure. It's very well done. And they included with that in a two-pack a Thunderbird figure. So, you know, if you're doing a, a first appearance of Giant Size X-Men and you have Thunderbird ready to die in the next issue. So that's <laughs> unfortunate, you know... But what are you going to do? They had to, you know, give you, you know, uh, uh, you know, give you uh, a way to complete your uh, giant size X-Men uh, figure set. Pretty much you're just down to needing a new Banshee. So hopefully they'll have a new Banshee coming out soon. But hopefully um, 
the, the, those of us who were not able to get their target pre-order in will be able to pick up the Storm and Thunderbird two-pack at Target uh, in early October or late September. So if you guys spot it, make sure to let me know. Hit me up on social media so that I can take a look at my local targets and see if I can get my hands on an OG Storm. And that is the Marvel Legends news for the week. So um, if you're watching... The oh, and by the way, hold on. One one pause. Hellfire Club. Yeah, I was about to say, you mentioned, you, did, you forgot about that I one. missed that one. You know why? Because I was thinking about what I would be asking at Matt Wang 97 to get me at San Diego <laughs> Comic-Con this year. And that is the four-pack Marvel Legends Hellfire Club that was revealed as the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. What's funny about this is that you cannot order this yet. Because it is not yet up for order. It won't be up for order until allegedly sometime in September. So be on the lookout for that. But included in that set are uh, brainwashed Jean Grey head with the Black Queen body, but also with the Selene head so that you can have a regular Hellfire Club. You have a Sebastian Shaw figure. You have... An OG Emma Frost figure, which is what everybody wants in the set. That's what I really want. But I'd be happy to have the entirety of the inner circle of the Hellfire Club. And last but not least is Donald Pierce. So you get another revert to go with Skullbuster uh, that came out in an earlier wave. The other exclusive that is not yet up for pre-order is a two-pack from the Logan movie. And that involves... A figure, a Wolverine figure that is straight, a depiction of Wolverine from the Logan movie, which means he's old and he's wearing a suit and he's just a lot older looking with a beard. And you get a Professor X who's very much an older looking figure, older looking gentleman in his uh, wheelchair. And those are the San, those are the San Diego exclusive Marvel Legends figures that will that are not yet up for order but will be up for pre-order at some point in early September, or at least some point in September. And if you're watching the video version, uh, I just found an article with all the, with the images of all of those that Agent 70 has mentioned, and it will be in the show notes for your own perusal, and you've just seen me go through a whole bunch of them, or all of them, actually. So. Awesome. Cool. Next up... Um, that hell actually, that Hellfire Club box is actually pretty good looking. Oh, it's a great presentation. Yeah, it's a great presentation. So I'm I'm more than I'm more than I'm I'm very excited, more than willing to pick up that set as well. Yeah, I'm. It says, and then uh, did you say the price of that one? Uh, I think it was because I got it right here. If you didn't, but seventy nine yes. is it seventy nine? Seventy nine ninety nine for the Hellfire yeah. Club and X Force X Force sets. While the two packs are each priced at forty nine ninety nine, the Domino figure is twenty four ninety nine, and all of these are due to release in fall. So, like I, said, I will put that in. This, that will be in the show notes. Next up, uh, actually, I believe this is still you, but I'll take it. I'll go ahead and take it. You just ran through a whole lot. Um, from Comic Con at Home, the best under the radar panels. So yes, yeah, so this uh, today as we record is the first day of uh, Comic Con at Home, and I guess um, CPR was already on top of it with panels that hadn't even happened yet. Um, oh, actually, it started Wednesday. I'm sorry. 
according to this. So there are tons of panels to choose from from this year's, uh, even though this, this article is here from two days ago, but um, which starts on Wednesday with so many options, some educational and entertaining panels will be looked over. That's actually true because San Diego people usually go over to the the more TV focused, TV and movie focused stuff from from accounts and just skip out on the, the actual comic related stuff that's actually good and educational but anyway um however if one has a chance to look at some of the more under radar panels these 10 are a great place to start covering topics from conspiracy theories to virtual worlds uh i will not go through all of these panel panels but uh let's see is there anything actual that stands out here let's see shutter harvest queer that's, uh, that's a good one Howard Cruz, The Godfather of Queer Comics, Building Your Own The Mascara, Connecting with Other Geeky Bosses. Uh, there's a bunch. Comic shops, comic shops, uh, preser- preserving through crisis. Excuse me. That's probably a good one to um, to check out. Uh, and a few other ones. That's uh, just like, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Uh, but these are just ones of note from this article's writer's per- point of view. Um... Yeah, definitely check out. Oh, uh, building a geek brand, surviving a pandemic. Uh, looks like it has something to do with Patreon. So definitely probably one to check out. So next up. All right. Next up. Uh, Star Wars merchandise has escaped Galaxy's Edge and landed at Target because, you know, <laughs> um, both of those because Stay of COVID-19. You know, yeah. So, uh, starting on August thirtieth, Target stores, freaking Target, Target stores will become the exclusive trading outpost for the popular Star Wars branded theme park areas. The stores will not have everything you can get in the theme parks. There won't be any custom lightsabers or blue milk just yet, but they will have merchandise inspired by the stories being told in the park from some of the biggest companies out there, including Lego, Hasbro, Funko, and others. Yay. Um, exactly. I mean, yeah. The Target, you know, look, Target, this is not the first time, because even if COVID wasn't what was, wasn't going on, I mean, even when Round Celebration or D-Twins or whichever it was, when they have their Star Wars reveals target usually gets a good bulk of stuff so this is still not surprising but the fact that it's some of the the galaxy's edge merch you know that's something because if you can't make it to galaxy's edge in disney park because why go there to get COVID, um then you can get it in the store which some would argue that's probably the same thing at this point but moving Mm -hmm. right along (laughs) Um, someone else is going to bring up those on this page. It's just like there's a uh, holocrons and and uh, that they're they're going to have for sale, and I might actually get me one. Uh, I don't know if that's from Target or not, but Marvel villainous is perfect for those who thought the Disney version was too nice. What is this? So this is the um. So there was a volcano called villainous that came out like last year. That was um basically. Disney, what if you were a Disney villain? Um, 
specifically. They have made other versions of Villainous uh, since then. This is the Marvel version that uh, seems to be part that seems to be out at this point. And like I said, it's a board game where you play as is a Marvel in this case Marvel villain. And you do just the, whoever does the most actually deeds. I can't remember how this goes, but this article right here is basically a review of the set. Um, I actually wanted to get the Disney villainous one, but since they have the model for villainous, and that's more up my alley. Despite not having anybody to play with, I may eventually end up getting this. Uh, but it says here the starting of the uh, starting edition of this game. Features five villains, uh, Hela, Killmonger, Ultron, Thanos, and Taskmaster. Uh, most of these characters have already made appearance in the Disney, in Disney Marvel's films, with the exception of Taskmaster, who's debuting Black Widow was delayed. Um, but you basically play as one of those villains and out each other. So there you go. Um, there's also... I would, uh, I'm not even going to take the time to... to to do this. Uh, there's something for the hero side called Marvel Champions, but I've already talked about it and I've, e- I've even shown in the box, so we don't have to go back on that. Let us move on. Alright, next up. Goonies never say die, or even fade completely into obscurity. Uh, another movie-themed Monopoly game, Monopoly the Goonies, is being offered up by the OP. Uh, this time, two to six players can go on a quest for One-Eyed Willie's treasure while buying, trading, and selling locations around Astoria, Queens, no, I mean Astoria, Oregon, in this incarnation of the classic 80s movie. The set features Goonies-themed game parts to fully satisfy the immersion into Goonies lore. Um, all right. Once upon a time, there was a Star Wars Monopoly game. I believe it was Monopoly, uh, but it was dope. And I think they may have there may have been a reissue, and I feel like... It was also a Mart Magazine game, which I saw at my um, my LCS at one point that I almost bought because we used to have it when I was little. Uh, that being said, uh, had nothing to do with anything. Hey, Goonies never say die. Also, Goonie love. Also, I if anybody knows where I could track down that Star Wars Monopoly game, you know, holla. And if it's not too cheap. I think it was a Star Wars, but it was good regardless. Um... God of War art director reveals three more X redesigns. So we talked about um, this person doing this previously, but he's done some more. God of War art director Raph Grissetti uh, has drawn up alternative alternative versions of three more X-Men. On his Instagram page, uh, Grissetti posted realistic art pieces of Kitty Pride, Shadow Cat, Hank McCoy Beast, and Aurora Monroe Storm. Says, I'm having a lot of fun with these characters, trying to combine the new with the old, maintaining elements from the classic costumes uh, Grissetti wrote along with the storm piece. And as you, you can see, uh, his render right here of the storm piece looks pretty good. Um, kind of almost like a darker skin version of uh, Leticia Wright in storm gear. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but here's the beast one. Uh, and of course, Kitty Pride, Shadow Cat, along with Lockheed, and you can see those on the video if you're watching. Also on his, uh, Mr. Rossetti's, I'm sorry, Gressetti. <laughs> Shout out to Animal Crossing. Um's inter, 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 Lord have mercy. Instagram. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know what time it is starting to get, folks. So uh, let us move on. All right, moving on quickly. 
Marvel has canceled the ongoing comic book series Strike Force with August 5th, number nine, serving as the series finale. Uh-huh. This book was launched in the aftermath of uh, the War of the Realms that ended in uh, 2019. Strike Force consisted of Blade, Angela, Spider Woman, Wiccan, the Winter Soldier, Monica Rambeau, and Damon Hellstrom. With a motto of no compromise, no mercy, the team fights dark and supernatural threats, culminating as it ends up with a battle on Monster Island. Yeah, um, in fact, this was one of the ones that, I, as I was telling uh, Agent 7 April for the show, this was one of the ones I was catching up on because I was like, I think I was reading 7, 8, and 9 prior to uh, the show this week. Um, apparently, wait, so it says solicited number 10 now on the shelves. So that means it's it's already done and out, which makes sense because it would, it would, you know, it would have been done by now, I would imagine. But nine is the end. I don't know, maybe 10 started something new and they canned it. Um, If I remember correctly, and I'm trying to remember because I'm thinking, is this 10? If this is 10. No, I think this is actually 10. Uh, because, or at least this is the next issue that I remember that was supposed to be coming, so which, uh, you know, so the, the the last arc was basically, yeah, they were in Monster Island, which is apparently somewhere in New York now, and Deadpool's the king, and they had to hide out there for a minute, and Spider-Woman was fighting folks, uh, uh, fight club style. Um, so yeah, it says Strike Force 8 came out in July 15th, so I'm trying to remember... Okay, so this must be nine. The 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 uh, the the cover for this. So which I guess ten is not going to come out because they came out at nine, which sucks. Because like I said, that was not a bad book. It was pretty much one of those ones that felt like yeah, it was already on. It was on a, on the block when it came up, and mm-hmm. given the fact that it came out of War of the Realms, you know, we were questioning the lifespan of the book anyway. Um, so say so had to see it go because it was just a weird group of people put together, but it was still a good book. Next up, this is you. Uh, pick a pocket, pick a pick a pick a pick a. Why do I have this on here twice, ladies and gentlemen? Meet the X Men uh, Ten of Swords, aka X of Swords, as I like to call them. Swords villains, the sword breaker, sword bearers of Araco. So this is a story, an article from Twitter, uh, Rama, from Newsarama, aka Games Radar, uh, from see, artist Pepe Larez has tweeted his cover for X of Swords, aka Ten of Swords, Stasis Number One, which is a one shot in the Marvel's upcoming X of Swords X Men crossover. Tweeted alongside the text of Ritual, a Parliament, a game begins. The cover shows off a host of characters that are apparently the villains of the story but without indication of who they are, who they actually are until now. And the rest of the story uh, article goes into news of Rama, basically breaking down who these folks are in short order. So there you go. You can read that for yourself in the show notes. Next up. Next up, uh, Marvel's superhero family, the Fantastic Four, will be undergoing a, quote, new major permanent status quo change this October. And it's just in time for the celebratory 25th issue of the ongoing title under current writer Dan Slott. Ahead of their full October 2020 solicitations, which I believe just dropped, um, Mm -hmm. 
Marvel has revealed the solicit for Fantastic Four number 25, and it promises big changes. This issue has it all. New artists, new villains, new uniforms, and a new major permanent status quo change for Marvel's first family reads their text. All this and an appearance by Doctor Doom. One of the most important characters in the entire cosmos returns from the dead and a major turning point in the history of the Fantastic Four. A great entry point for new readers. And um, the new artist is going to be R.B. Silva, who drew the recent Empire Fantastic Four, number one, most recently of Hawks Pox fame. Yes. Um, which means, you know what this means, folks. The Watcher's coming back. The Watcher's coming back. Actually, we don't know who it is, but I'm, I'm willing to... I know, but I'm willing to bet it's the Watcher. It's got to be. The most important... Oh, wait. One of the most important characters in the entire cosmos. Who could that be? Except for Golden Oldie. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Folks, look it up. But, um... Yeah, new uniforms, new stuff. So yeah, as a fan of the Fantastic Four, what do you what do you think, sir? Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, it feels like it's probably the Watcher because so many of the other cosmic Fantastic Four characters are in play right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Galactus is over in uh, Galactus is over in um, Thor. You know, with the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's you know lots of Cree uh, scroll stuff going on in, in 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 Empire. So in terms of who's dead, you know, I think the Watcher might very well be um, the one character uh, that's been gone for a while now. I think you know, Original Sin. Oh my God. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because at this point, because it definitely wouldn't be any of the the elders, because like they're not that they're they're not that that important. Right. <laughs> They serve a purpose, but anyway. So that's my that's my theory, you know. And uh, I guess, you know, uh, yeah, that's not a bad theory. It. It's not a bad theory. I hadn't given, I hadn't read this solicit, so I had not yet had a chance to give some thought to this. Mm-hmm. But that's not a bad. That's not a bad theory. It's not a bad guess. And I know some folks are saying yes, the the watcher's not technically gone because Nick Fury Fury has taken his place, sort of. But that's not necessarily the same character. Um and they've really not done with it, anything with them since then. Right. So, yeah. Next up, uh, speaking of this, uh, Fantastic Four writer says major permanent status uh, changes, not hyperbole. Uh, so writer, let say. So we just talked about the, uh, the 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 new major permanent status quo change, whatever that will be that's coming. Uh, Dan Slot says, yes, they will. No hyperbole. It's a fact. That was me doing that, uh, you know, the fist bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slot said, said in a response to Newsarama's report about the news, the change will take place during Friday 425, as we talk, already said, and talked about, we basically talked about the, the new uniforms and uh, the resurrection of a pos- cosmically powered Marvel character. There you go. Okay. Next up. Next up, the Scarlet Witch just did something unspeakable in Empire X-Men number one. Spoilers, we have discussed this. Yeah, we no spoke on it. Belabor the- yes, we already spoke on it, so it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, you want me to do the one just to make up for that? Sure. All right. Uh, meet Captain Marvel's half-sister, 
the Cree warrior L'Oreal because she's worth it. Oh, no. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Uh, granted, uh, if you're of a certain vintage, you will understand that reference. All right. And, and so Carol Danvers has had to deal with a lot of turmoil in her personal and professional life lately, especially after she discovered that she's half Cree. Um, another major bombshell is about to be dropped on Carol in Captain Marvel number 18, a tie-in to uh, the Empire event. CBR has an exclusive first look at Carol's half-sister, Lori L., who will play a major role in Captain Marvel's Empire tie-in story. The revelation of Carol's mother being Cree opens up an amazing opportunity for further exploring Carol's connections to the Cree. And introducing a family member she was not aware of was almost too obvious, Captain Marvel writer Kelly Thompson told CBR. But when we started creating Lori L., um, Carol said, God, that stupid Maybelline thing is in my head. Um, it's Lori L., actually, but yes. Oh, L'Oreal, right? Yes. Um, no, yeah, that's it. Maybe she's worth it. Maybe she's Maybelline. That's that's. Uh, that's, that's, I, that's so when that first happened, I thought the exact same thing, but I looked up the, what their slogan was, and yeah, here we are. No, wait, wait. I was about to say, do I have my wires crossed, or or am I misremembering? Um, Maybelline is a different thing. L'Oreal is a different company, but you were thinking right, right on, so, on that point, but in relation to that, right. I was thinking the same thing you were, but which is not. Oh, the case. okay. Right, so we're both wrong. Right, but no, <laughs> that's why that's why it's right in the, when I put that joke in there because uh, that's the right I slogan. I got you. I got you. All right. Um, yeah, I was about to say we got to find out what the L'Oreal um, uh, slogan is. So, getting back to just uh, what Kelly Thompson was saying, but when we started creating L'Oreal, Carol's half sister, I started to get genuinely excited about both the character herself and what she could bring to Carol and her world. It's such a rich area to explore for Carol. And then Corey went and designed Lori L with these giant arms and shoulders. And I think I'm in love. Wait, I've said too much. Okay. She looks like a blue She-Hulk. A blue right. She-Hulk. I mean, I'm mad at it because, you know, hey, work it. Work it. Um, but, yeah. Are you still reading Captain Marvel? I I read it on and off. I read the last issue. Right. Remember with the poker game? Right. That went bad. It turned into a... It turned into uh, what you call it, um, an escape room. Right. But uh, I read it. I read it on and off. Um, I read it early on in this new, in this latest run, when they were trapped on Roosevelt Island mm-hmm. by the sexist guy. So, you know, I, I read it here and there. I don't pull it, but I definitely read it here and there. Sure. Hey, look, this is alone. Look bad. I ain't mad at it. Anyway, next up. Um... I don't know how to feel about this news. Matthew, Rosen- Matthew Rosenberg joins Amazing Spider-Man writing team. Um, let's see. Amazing Spider-Man's, uh, Marvel's Amazing Spider-Man title will hit its 50-issue mark this October, and it will serve to kick off a new arc and the addition of a co-writer alongside Nick Spencer. This was revealed, revealed in the solicitations. Uh, Last Remains will have the long-simmering machinations of Kim Dritt, uh, a villain Nick Spencer introduced early into his run on the on the title come to a boil, so this is probably us uh, the stuff that Nick Spencer or whoever wrote the last page of this uh, that's in Rising thing uh, was talking about. You ain't ready for, I would assume. 
Uh, Spider-Man just took the beating of his life and we're just getting started. Reads Marvel's description of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 50. Kendrick is stepping out on the stage for the first time. And Spider-Man is not ready for the havoc that Kendrick is ready to let loose. I'm kind of at this point ready to see what the heck is going on with this character because we keep seeing him and we don't know what's going on outside of the stuff that he's messing around with. Yeah, I'm not 100% on board with Rosenberg. I've had my issues with some of the stuff he's written. Obviously, my biggest issue was with his... uh, uh, you know, short run on Uncanny X-Men when he basically killed everybody because he could. Yeah. You know, um, I wasn't really a fan of that. And so. more recently, I'm not, because I haven't caught up with uh, with uh, Hawkeye Freefall. I'm, and usually I actually like Rosenberg work on a lot of older stuff. So, because that's the stuff he's actually done some really silly things with. Um, but Hawkeye Freefall, I was like, why? What? What? Why? Are you even doing this? What's going on? Why? Like, what services is proposing? But mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know how to feel about this. Maybe it'll be all right. I don't know. Anyway, next up, folks. Um, come on, Lord. Thank you. Keanu Reeves is writing a comic book called. This is the one I was going to have the audio thing for. Um, B R Z R K R or probably Berserker. Mm-hmm. In which you can just go ahead and input, <clears throat> my love for you is like Berserker. If you know where that's from, then you know. And his main no, character. I'm about to say, where is that from? Um, 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 Clerks. Oh, you know what I was thinking of? What? I think it was a, weren't they, weren't they Thundercats villains? Berserker, Berserker, there was a berserker. berserker. Yes, yes, the Berserkers were the the, the pirates, basically. There you go. Mm-hmm. And as always, anyone who played Marvel versus Capcom or the X Men Capcom video game knows about Wolverine's Berserker Barrage. Correct. So, or was anyway. there, wait, was there? Yes, because there was that one character who was kept on saying Berserker. So I don't know if it was the whole crew or just that person in Thundercats. But regardless. We y'all know what we're talking about. So yeah, so Keanu Reeves is writing a comic book called Berserker, uh, and its main character looks just like him. Uh, it's coming out from Boom Studios, uh, which has released some artwork for Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent's October debuting twelve issue comic book series, illustrated by Alessandro Vitti and Bill Crabtree. I hope that did not mad at me. Oh, um, and as you see. Here's the the image, and yes, it does look like a Wolverine version of Keanu Reeves without the claws. Um, we'll just go through. So, is this supposed to be like Conan into the modern? I don't know. So, some of these issues, I mean, some of these, I don't know. Regardless, guess what, folks? Y'all love Keanu. We all do. Um, it says here. It is described as an action-packed, hyper-violent, and uh, sounds which sounds kind of sounds like Jason Bourne in reverse meets Highlander. So that would explain the image we just saw. Uh, it's a story uh, of a war. Say like a little bit of John Wick thrown in there too. Well, yeah, probably for obvious reasons. But is the story mm-hmm. of a warrior who looks like a certain beloved actor and has walked a blood-soaked path across the world for centuries? In the present day, the Berserker is hiding in the U.S and does dangerous jobs for the government in exchange for the truth about his existence. 
It's like, I'll go do some missions for you. You'll help me come figure out who I am. Well, okay, that's a terrible piano. I'm sorry. I was about to say, I'm like, what was that? Help me You're come trying to put a, a Ted? Kind of. Okay. I mean, if you've watched Man of Taiji, Taichi, he kind of sounds like that also. Which, by the way, okay. Man of Taiji is actually kind of is a really good movie, but he's only in it for like ten minutes, um, even though he directed it. But that makes sure. Anyway, um, but like, I'll go do some missions for you. You can help me out and help me discover who, help me figure out who I am and how this has come to be and how maybe I could get released from this. But then again, of course, there's ulterior motives on both sides. Reeves describes. So this kind of sounds like that Valiant book, um, Exo Man of War. And I'm saying that not knowing whole, whole lots about that character. Because I feel like it's a similar character without the armor. But we don't know. I, feel I was like, about to say, I don't know about Exo. You might mean Eternal Warrior? Um, maybe. That was another Valiant. That was another. That I think that was the premise. Maybe. Uh, you're probably right. Hold on a second. Let's. I don't remember. I was about to say I don't remember that much about those books. I didn't really read them, but I, I you know, it's that's that, that sounds familiar. Mm, let's see. You know? I was yeah, about to say it's also kind of it's also kind of the premise of the old guard, which was the uh, Greg Rucka, um, uh, book turned Netflix movie. Correct. Uh, so yeah, X Men Man of War is the superhero in the Valiant Universe. He is. Eric of Dacia, a fifth century Visigoth, so I was right. Warrior who was a but he was abducted by a race of aliens. Ah, okay. Brought, What's the eternal warrior? Uh you would ask me that. Hang on back up. There we go. Uh let's see. Jalad Anipada, also known as the Eternal Warrior. He was granted the gift of immortality. Is a master tactician and one of the greatest warriors on the planet. So kind of similar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was about to say. I don't think either of us were really wrong on that one. Yeah, we we absolutely weren't. But that's also valent. What are you doing? Anyway, uh, back on track. So that's that. Right. Look forward to that in October, and I, I guess we may check that out. I don't know. All right. Next. I was up. about to say on a side on a side note before I get to these. Uh, I think maybe I'll just combine these two. Sure. So we get things moving. But on a side note, the Bill and Ted um, movie trailer did just drop again. Oh, nice. And they did, they did um, put out some news that at least for now they're looking to do a both um, pay-per-view at home and a limited release in whatever theaters are open oh, cool. when their release time comes up, I guess, in late August. Hmm. We'll see how that goes. Just keep uh, keep uh, keep your eyes peeled if you are a Bill and Ted fan. Next up on the comic news, though, uh, IDW's Chris Royale steps down as president and publisher. He had previously served as the company's editor in chief. Um, He's stepping down as president, publisher, and chief creative officer to launch a new publishing venture dedicated to developing new creative voices. He'd been in the position since December 2018 when he returned to the company six months after stepping down as chief creative officer and editor-in-chief. He took over the dual president-slash-publisher role from Greg Goldstein. Okay. Um, now, the sad part about this is like when I first saw this uh, article, I was like, oh, what did he do? Because, you know, people are stepping down for allegations against them. I don't think this is that. 
or that right. hasn't come out yet. One of the two. But then again, he's a he's been at this role for a good long time, so it was probably right. This is something that he stepped back in, stepped back into right after there for a long time. So right. um, he'd been there for um, wow, he'd been there since June of two thousand four. Mm-hmm. So that's a long, long time. I remember him as starting. Uh, he's the one that wrote the initial um, reboot of Rom Space Knight, mm, right? So, so but, yeah, um, and and who knows? Rom Space Knight may have a, a, a or Galador may have a role to play in Ten of Swords. I'm they not sure, kidding. They sure didn't do anything with that Hasbro um, um, universe that they were trying to do. Oh my goodness gracious! All right. Um, Following up on that story, though, IDW Publishing names a new president, publisher, and more. Uh, following the departure of Chris Rayal, IDW Executive Vice President of Product Development Jerry Bennington has been named as the company's new president. The role is described as overseeing IDW's publishing strategic business units, integrating product cross-platform uh, programs, establishing product growth initiatives with partners, blah, 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 blah. As a uh, IDW sales director, Judd Myers, who joined the company 14 months ago, has been promoted to publisher overseeing all aspects of production and publication. All right. So a little bit of uh, a little bit of um, staff turnover over at uh, IDW. Hopefully that doesn't bode ill. Yeah, it must be nice to be with a company for 14 months and just like, oh, by the way, here you go. You you get... (laughs) You're the publisher now. There you go. All white, all white, all white. Um, last but not least, uh, Image Comics' crossover series debuts face-melting cover. And I said that wrong, but still. Uh, face-melting cover! I don't know. Who cares, folks? Uh, ahead of his debut, a cover of for Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw's crossover miniseries has debuted with a reader's face melting off. Um, so apparently, oh, the book is called Crossover. I thought it was actually a, a crossover. Uh, so the plot of uh, Crossover remains unknown. Case is described as, as an anti-event and posted the following statement on Twitter. Superheroes aren't myths, they're viruses. They're spreading. Based on the statements and the cover art, it looks like Crossover will play with the conventions of superhero comics, in particular, the crossover events that have become commonplace. So is this like, uh, uh, new universe meets, uh, uh, for, for, for hero or something. I don't know. I'm I'm just going to stop speculating right now. Say that, Hey, that's the thing that's coming. And folks, we have come to the end of news, which means we have come to the end of the show. Uh, and we're going to hit up one more ad read. Please. You know, when we've been at this for a long time, our last ad read of the night is for Amazon.com. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends like pre-ordering the Nimrod 3-pack. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today.
Yes, folks, we're at the end of another wonderful episode of this here Combo Chronicles. Thank you each and every one of you for coming out and being here, whether it be on the video version, which we do every Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. on the Click Nation's YouTube channel, or if you're, uh, you know, checking us out during the audio, um, you know, which I will mention in a second. I have been your host, Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can also find me at Newsletters Need on Twitter and CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70, you can find on Twitter and Instagram at that. PC underscore Dirt, you can go over to that on Twitter. You can also go to uh, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com and his umbrella sites therein. You can also go over to, as far as I know, he's still doing this song because I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can go over to Byte, B-Y-T-E, uh, which is Divine Bill Replacement, and go check him out over at Comic Reviews, No Vowels. He's definitely doing his other stuff, though. Um, you can also check out the Osiris of this ish, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, on Twitter, C-B Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles, uh, the, you know, Twitter account. You can go say, hey, we love the show. Hey, we don't like the show, but we like the show. You know, be delicate. We're, we're sensitive around these parts. Anyway, um, that noise was highly unnecessary. Uh, you- oh, Wow. nicely done um you can also find tim at the click nation on twitter that's d-k-l-i-q-n-a-t-i-o-n also dclicknation.com you can also check him out on combo resources where he's over there writing his face off and as um i don't know if you saw if you're watching the video version some of the, the stories provided to us where it's from tim or actually, I pulled him and didn't know it was him until I looked at it. So that's just me. Um, you can find this here podcast on the coast of the podcast network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the coast of the podcast network's SoundCloud page. Like I said, we'll be back next week, 9.30 p.m. to record this. The auto will be out probably a day or two later uh, on the Coast Lizard, like we've said. Uh, last week, we had an issue because for some strategy, Google didn't want to cooperate, and I'm hoping I don't have that issue this time. But until then, folks, look out on our social media where we'll try to do a better job about um, <laughs> posting links to the show. Sure, and next week, we're definitely going to have a lot more post-San Diego Comic-Con at-home news. That is for certain. That is for certain. And with that, folks, oh, Jesus, I totally had it on the Amazon thing all this time, which means it's definitely time to go. Um, and with that, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. The sun shot. I love it when a plan comes together.